Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is the guy I hired to investigate a murder decades ago, Clay Williams. Got newspaper clippings everywhere. It's just like, it's a whole yeah. lot of business going on. Red yarn and corkboard behind I you. I had it's to make this yarn run to office crazy. Depot, and they looked uh-huh. at me like I was a little nuts, which is understandable. Yeah, but like, of course. Sure. Yes, yes. Sure. Yeah. You, know uh, you have like, like a five o'clock shadow and like some right, stubble you know, going on too. 200 yeah. bucks the yeah. office for all these office supplies 200 bucks i had to pay yeah. for that for it's crazy you have to rent out an office yeah you got glasses like... dangling from your ear <laughs> dangling like absolutely yeah. like almost off like they're just hanging by a thread they're just they yeah. want to come off your ear so bad but they're just they have a little leverage they have a little leverage yeah. that they just won't they just won't yeah it's crazy how, like, the president of the Academy, like, walked onto the set of Dragon Tattoo and, like, handed Craig an Oscar, like, once he made yep. that move, the glasses. That was, like, really, like, pretty cool Fincher to let that happen. Well, I love that, yeah, I mean, it, it, that Daniel Craig did that on his own volition. It's just how he does, he does that with his glasses. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, we're, do- we're doing that all the time yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. He was, that's just how he does it. <laughs> That's just what he does with his glasses. And Fincher that's was the, like, this is amazing. I don't know what's cooler, that he's married to Rachel Weiss or that's what he does with his glasses. <laughs> Those are like the two coolest things. Probably a combo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty close. And then number like three, four, or five is being James Bond, I think. Come on. But no, you know what that reminds me of that uh, we discussed in our Wolf of Wall Street episode is the uh, pounding chest thing right, that McConaughey does is actually real. And, right. McCon- and Marty was like, but that well, tracks. we're fucking... Yeah, with the trace, actually. Yeah. 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 Marty was like, why like, with, haven't I been Daniel doing this Craig... for all of my movies? Why haven't my characters been pounding their chest <laughs> right. in every single movie right. they've right. done? Right. You're like, that would fit Daniel with Craig Color Money and just... Cruise or something. Yeah. You just don't believe that Daniel Craig would need glasses, is the thing. That's the you thing. I'm like, like James mm. his eyes, you don't think he needs glasses, which is why I, I, like, it, I just so... thought he had 20 20 vision or something. Like, I didn't think there was like a physical imperfection on that man. Yeah, yeah, like what was the go. like uh, the laser tech surgery, like the eye thing that corrects yeah, your yeah. LASIKs? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought um, he just yeah, was born perfect, so I was surprised <laughs> at the idea that he had to have like sure. any kind of assistance in any physical attribute. So this is yeah, fascinating to me. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Well, you're not going to believe this, but I have like written down that he gained weight. He did to play uh, Mikel, and yeah, makes sense, you know. What? Because like yeah, he wants I mean, him to look, out. and, and especially like too. since this is pre Skyfall, like like want to like look a little yes. bit more disheveled. How much you know? weight did he yeah. gain? Five pounds? Like what? Yeah, I, I, just I wouldn't say. assume like, it was that much. Pretty, yeah. he's a, I, I guess he. I mean, again, I don't. I, I don't know what what he has to go through to be James Bond, but like he certainly did not look, you know, chonky or anything like that in this movie. Like he didn't look like it. He he was like, I want to look like a normal person. It's like fuck you. <laughs> You look like right. a normal person because you put on like <laughs> right. ten pounds. <laughs> right, started picking up smoking. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he looks like he looks like he hasn't slept in maybe a month uh, at points, but like, <laughs> which is great. Which, which is sure. great, but it's like, yeah. but besides that, no, you are a physical specimen. What are you talking about? Like, right. I really did not yeah. notice an ounce of fat on that man. Maybe instead of one, maybe instead of like zero point zero 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 one percent of body fat, he now has one yeah. percent of body fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Sure. I mean, I gotta say he's I, he's great in this movie. Um, this is like it, one of his best performances. Yeah, yeah I really. It's either it. this or Munich for me. Yeah, he's he's really good in this movie, 
and he's and it's great casting. I would argue it might be one of the many reasons that why this film didn't perform, unfortunately, at the box office. I think is a little bit of the Daniel Craig component. Um, but I do think when you look at the list of people that were bandied about for this role, you know, your your unfortunately your Johnny Depp's, your Viggo Mortensen, <laughs> Brad Pitt, oh, no. George Clooney, all these guys are going to probably bring you more box office. Like he's, he is James Bond, but like that's James Bond. Like you right. could kind of make anyone James Bond and they're going to go and see a James Bond movie. It doesn't transfer <laughs> into necessarily Daniel Craig being a movie star. Timothy Dalton get like huge box office hits. Especially, I was just going to say like Bond is notorious right. for typecasting. Yeah. And right. breaking out of and, that I mold mean, I, has been a famous struggle. It's, yeah. It's really tricky. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Pierce Brosnan struggled with that to some degree or another. Right. Um, I would argue he might be the most successful in terms of making that transfer between those yeah. two things. But but I do think that, like, Daniel Craig as a movie star, um, they learned that with Cowboys and Aliens. They learned that with several of the films. I mean, Cowboys and Aliens is a bad movie. But, but I just think that, like, this is right in that pocket of, like, is can he open a movie or not? And the answer was kind of sort of not really but now it is i mean i don't know the thing the knives out thing is very interesting because it's like yeah is that him or is that just because it's the ensemble is it's that the ensemble. yeah i think mm-hmm. it's him and the ensemble i think it's like kind of a marriage of those things where it's but like then netflix is like we'll pay you a hundred million dollars and it's like <laughs> well okay i mean sure pay daniel craig that much money i don't care but it's also like was he? Do you need to pay him that much? Is he that expensive? Well, I do think that, I mean, as as Netflix has made abundantly clear, you know, they're always searching for their franchises, right. and those are usually kind of things that are slightly off the beaten path. If it's, right. you know, buying Umbrella Academy or buying, you know, what I mean, Last Airbender, it's like buying these pockets of franchises that they can expand on. And you look at the Knives Out success, and like. It makes sense, right? Like, I get it. And if you're Ryan Johnson and they're like, we want you to make a trilogy, you know, we want you to do three of these and or two of these and we'll pay you an exorbitant amount of money. Right. I'm like, sure. I For guess. sure. Yeah. I, but, but to your point, uh, I think that the Knives Out thing is a bunch of things, right? Like, it's Chris right. Evans is in that movie, which you really can't forget. Like, there's a lot of people in that movie um michael shannon heads are lining up uh yeah big time all those michael shannon heads uh but i think it's also just like it was such a pastiche of things that existed in the past that we haven't haven't had a murder mystery thing you know and it kind of hit on it just was right place right time right movie Um, word of mouth i think yeah and it's good like it's a good movie too on top of everything so but yeah but besides sean connery does that movie alone make craig the most successful like post bond i will see that alone yeah. you know what i mean because it's like yeah it's so it was such Maybe. a gigantic box office hit he's gonna get two more sequels from it it's yes. interesting mm-hmm. it is interesting it's also a full-on gonzo performance from him like everyone else <laughs> is playing that right on the money in terms of yeah. like everyone's in the pocket and then he's like fog and then we have fucking foghorn like yes. <laughs> yeah we're just like what the fuck is this yeah. it works but it's also just like bizarre um yeah, yeah i mean you, you have to wonder whether or not you know was it leblanc is that his name yeah mm-hmm. yeah is that gonna be a you know 
are we going to get six movies out of this? Like, is there going to be, you know what I mean? Like, is it going to be like the Perot of our time? Because, like, I mean, right. think about let's, Death on the Nile. Like, the traditional let's not, annotations are just let's like. Let's not think of it. <laughs> let's, let's actually not. Well, think I mean, it. by the way, like, as, as a big Ryan Johnson fan, I, I look at him and I've, I've got it. He has to just be laughing at, like, mm. the people that oh, shit man. all over him coming off of Last Jedi. Then he goes and makes this weird genre piece that just fucking is huge. Um, and now it could turn out to just be the type of thing that, like, he'll make these. I think he's making these pretty close to back to back. These two films, right. yeah. Might as well. And get then out of the way. he'll have the freedom to do whatever he wants, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, I yeah, want to see the salary he got for Last Jedi compared to the fucking <laughs> thing. I just want to see those oh, dollar amounts next to each other. It's probably and... twice as much. He's making twice as much off of Knives Out than he did off of Star Wars. Easily, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well. Um, what worth that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, fast. Let's see if uh, we have anything to share for things that we're watching recently. If anyone has, uh, any. yeah, you know, I am, I am currently writing a, a pilot for NBC that is um, with Justin Lin's company. Um, that's sort of. Um, uh goth buffy is kind of what i'm calling it uh it's it's called delia graves in the order of merlin and it's about a um 25 year old goth coroner who discovers she has the powers of merlin and her and her estranged mother have to essentially protect their small town from medieval i'll pick it up i'd pick it up that sounds good i appreciate that um uh so i'm writing that i bring that up just because i've been watching a fair amount of things either re-watching or watching for the first time things that are sort of inspirational to that project. I try to kind of, whenever I'm writing stuff, uh, infuse as much pop culture that inspires that as I can. Um, so I've been watching uh, the Evil Dead movies, yeah. which obviously are great. I don't need to recommend those to anybody, obviously. Um, in terms of new stuff that I've been watching, um, you know, not this is not on the Delia side of things at all, but really loving The Dropout, um, mm. really loving uh, The Girl from Plainville. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's having uh, a solid year? Every... Yeah, that's yeah, undeniable. And then I, I went to see uh, uh, everything everywhere all at once, which everyone should go and see because it's a fucking masterpiece. So, yeah, I haven't pumped so pumped. I haven't seen uh, So Sorry Man since it came out, but I remember liking it quite a bit. Yeah, I'm excited for, for this. We'll one. probably talk about it at one point. Someone's yeah. gonna, yeah, at one point, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah someone yeah. will pick that up for sure. That's a yeah, fair it's... reputation. Yeah, Paul Dano, it actually. does, it does. He's gonna come on the podcast. Yeah, he's oh, gonna come oh. on the podcast and pick that. Movie. Oh, there you go. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like that'd be kind of like a, an awkward conversation. Like, oh man, I love it. <laughs> it's like I don't know. <laughs> I think that, he's not um, a firecracker in interviews. Like, it doesn't. Paul Dano unless he's talking really about <laughs> Court of Owls, then he'll actually be like, "You gotta, you gotta read sure. Court of Owls, bro. You gotta read Court of Owls." <laughs> I think me and him would get um, along great. I do think that uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is better than Swiss Army Man because mm. at its heart is a mother-daughter relationship. Right. I think that Swiss Army Man um, really walks a fine line of, like, a bunch of weird hipster fucking music video shit mixed in with, like, uh, sort of a story about friendship and suicide. Like, it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of things. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. But, like, everything everywhere feels far more sort of, you know. Defined. Like, there's a yeah. thesis statement to that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point though. I I think Swiss Army Man definitely felt like filmmakers coming off of music videos and you know, hey, kind of like uh, coincidentally, like 
in line with uh, today's filmmaker. But um, indeed, indeed, yeah, the quintessential music video director. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I am just adoring the latest bunch of episodes from Atlanta that I'm catching up on. I think it's I have to catch up on those. It, it, like it's yeah, it's so so special. Like that show is that show and Barry like. Like some of the best I've ever seen, I think. Uh, like, there's a number of uh, years that it took off, and it's almost like it never. I mean, really, it's like it never left. I'm, you know, it, it's so good. Um, you just have, like I can't say anything about yeah, it specifics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, that first episode is based on a true story, and I just cannot believe it. But. <laughs> can't wait to watch it. I'm gonna, I gonna try to watch it this week. Mm. I have been watching almost exclusively, uh, Ava, oh man, I always get the title, so there's a title and there's a subtitle, and I always put the subtitle first before the actual title, so let me, let me get this okay. right, it's an anime, my friend, uh, some, a group of friends okay. of mine have been bullying me, like, legit bullying me to watch it, so I have, like, no choice in the matter, but it's really good, yeah, Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, it's on Netflix, okay, yeah, it's um, very famous, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good, what is it called? Ne- uh, damn it! <laughs> I already forgot it. Neon Genesis Neon- Evangelion. Neon Genesis. Yeah. You, okay. I'm. I'm great. I'm putting it on my list. It's it fucking. Is, it, the genre is apocalyptic mecha psychological drama. It's bananas. Um, like bananas, bananas. Uh, but it's really good so far. I mean, the animation's incredible. Um. It's like the original series is like one season in the 90s and then they do a movie later that's apparently great and then they do a whole stretch of reboots or whatever. So right now I'm just taking it one step at a time because it's overwhelming, but just the show on Netflix, I'm starting that. I'm like midway through. Um, It's just really, it's really good so far. Those episodes are pretty short too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all, and I fucking love the thing of dropping the title credit in the middle of the episode i think it's i love it sure. I just, anytime someone pulls that shit even if it's in a movie um mm-hmm. what was the movie like two years Drive ago my car, a long, an hour yeah. into it 45 minutes journeys into night yeah. um yeah that one too title wrong. like an hour in and it's just like boom here we are baby this is mm-hmm. like in. something uh asian cinema does we'll fucking give you a title when we feel like giving you a title. Yeah, right, it. you know what you're watching it's, it's yeah. just a, <laughs> it's a baller yeah. move i don't know it's a lot of yeah. confidence it's just like yeah this, this is the title you're watching it already Who, yeah you know yeah yeah and, the, and that theme um, song fucking rips uh for neon genesis like come on are you kidding me yeah it's really good yeah um it's all it's all really solid um it's also it's interesting because there's a lot of there's a lot of, I mean, problematic is probably the wrong word because it's very intentional. Uh, some of it's problematic, but it's like we've, like, we did Call Me By Your Name, and then we also uh, did what? We, like, even if we are your friends, we still talk about licorice pizza. And it's interesting, like, the age gap discourse of relationships in this show is just like, oh, okay. I don't know about this, but sure, let's go. Like, I'll, I'll watch it till the end because some of it's just like, oh, okay, this is a. Uh, we, there, I'm surprised there isn't discourse about this because there's some stuff sure, in yeah. that. But, well, uh, and it's, it's, it's very renowned, that show. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, it's like a lot of, yeah. I mean, the, and it, like the designs of all of it, like the mechs and all of it, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's fucking dope. And the, and, like, mm-hmm. the alien things they're fighting against also look incredible and super weird. So I'm all, I'm all in. I'm all in. Did we yeah. ever introduce the guests? 
Do we even? Oh, I'm I'm about to. I'm literally oh, right You're now. Already... I was going to. <laughs> this is why you host. Right, yeah. Why I'm on the side. Yeah, Philip Escobar is here. Hello, welcome to the pod. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. From podcasts like it's 1999. Uh, yeah. Usually we'd like to get some, you know, some backstory on our our guests and find out how you fell in love with film. Maybe you've rehearsed it a few times on on yours and just, you know. No, I mean, I, I. Yeah. You know, I I uh, I loved to uh, I loved movies and television from childhood. Um, mm-hmm. I think I always knew I wanted to be doing it in some way or another. I started writing when I was quite young, and you know, um, in a lot of ways got lucky. Uh, in a lot of ways, had a lot of hard work, but went to film school uh, in Toronto, where I'm from originally. Um, and uh, then I moved out to Los Angeles back in 2005. I worked at a talent agency. Uh, UTA, which I worked at for almost eight years as an assistant. I was writing in my spare time. Um, and eventually uh, UTA uh, signed me. And then I um, sold a television show called Sleepy Hollow that was on Fox for uh, for about four seasons. A show I have and, seen. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and since then, I've been, you know, developing and writing on other shows. And, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, as you mentioned, I am... Uh, the co-host of a podcast called Podcast Like It's Nineteen Ninety Nine that I do with fellow TV writer Kenny Nybart, where we talk about all the films, literally all the films of nineteen ninety nine. Um, and we also have uh, two Patreons, one uh, that we did a mini series on um, nineteen eighty nine, and currently we're doing one on two thousand and nine. Excellent, yeah, uh, and I'm pretty sure that you and I share one of the top because I can't ever say like the definitive top, but one of the top movies of. The year it's John Malkovich, right? It's being John. Like, come on, it's it's, it's, it's like definitely up. There. It's forever, it's like an all timer. Yeah, it's uh, no question that it's an absolutely yeah. brilliant film. You know, we went on a on another podcast called uh, the uh, oh my god, what's it called? The Incinerator, uh, which is sort mm-hmm. of like a, where where essentially you have to sort of debate and sort of incinerate films, and we did that for 1999. And 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 truthfully, um, it was very very hard. Kenny and I continued to sort of uh, you know. Magnolia versus being John Malkovich seems to be the two, the, the devil and the angel on our shoulders that are constantly kind of like, which one is, yeah. so th- th- that's definitely the two. Yeah. Um, then getting back shot, to like, yeah. like loving uh, movies and television at a young age, yeah, yeah. was there a certain like show or movie where you're like, holy shit. On the movie side of things, I don't know that there is a movie. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think I, it was year one, right? That was the one that was was sold it. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was definitely not 2009's year one. Uh, it was, um, <laughs> you know, I saw a lot of movies as a kid and I watched a lot of movies on repeat. Um, your Die Hards, your Back to the Futures, your When Harry Met Sally's, what have you. Those are definitely in my sort of like uh, movie DNA. Um, on the television side, honestly, ER and Six Feet Under were the two shows that I think um, I obsessed about the most and was sort of like i feel like i could do this this is what i'd like to do um so uh it's it's not a huge surprise that this this nbc show is sort of a mixture of six feet under and er and and what have you um they're certainly uh in the in the the stew that is that show yeah you can't help but think of anything corner related without thinking six feet under i mean like it's such a overcast yeah, on pretty, anything that yeah, related the um, of that show is yeah for sure mm-hmm. and especially like the visual language and yeah it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally for some reason anytime i think of a um 
coroner, I think of uh, Tony Todd in the first Final Destination. That's my sure. <laughs> that's that's. I mean, we're we're going to be doing an episode on our 2009 Patreon on the Final Destination, which yeah. uh, was almost the last one, and then it made money, so they decided to make an, another one. But uh, yeah, I love the Final Destination series. That might be like my They're favorite good. horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, are. we ought to I, do some of those sometimes. I don't think that what the fourth one. I, I always get the mixed up. The fourth one I don't really like, but all the others I love. Yeah, so the final three. destination is fine. I think the first one is it. like straight up great. Right. Um, and even the second one, which is, I believe, is the second one the roller coaster? No, that's the third one. Mary Elizabeth Winsett is third. in the third one. And that might be The second favorite. one is the is the highway crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All good um, stuff. All good stuff. All good yeah. stuff. I got I to gotta oh, see yeah. these. Yeah, I know. Oh, they're good. They're, they're, I mean... Yeah. The escalator is that the that's in the third one. Um, Someone's literally eaten by an escalator. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, that might great. be the fourth. It's crazy. One. I don't. Yeah, I mean the thing is they <laughs> all kind of blend together at some point, but yeah. they're like if someone's like, oh, what like uh, what horror franchise should I binge on like a Sunday? And I'm like Final yeah. Destination. Like it's yeah. super. Well, because what's easy. great is there's no the villain is death. There's no like bad guy. It's just like mm. we're mortal. That's the that's the bad guy. My biggest mm. criticism of that franchise is they tease us with Tony Todd, but I want way more Tony Todd. <laughs> like well, all does? of the Tony Todd I can yeah, right. use. Yeah. 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 Or um you know John Noble would be a good death. Speaking of um Yeah, uh, sleepy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually want I don't know if this is a take you've ever heard, but John Noble and Sleepy Hollow is actually one of my favorite performances of his. I think he's legitimately. Well, great he would in be thrilled show. to hear that. I'm sure he's he. You know, it's funny. We, we were when we were casting the role. Um, you know, we obviously had a bunch of different people in mind, and then Alex and Bob had worked with uh, John on uh, on Fringe, and right. it was just sort of like, well, we should just and and it just didn't. And then it was kind of obvious. He's just yeah, he's great. I mean, you can't go wrong with John Noble. I just replayed Arkham Knight, um, and his Scarecrow is also just like I don't know. I mean, he doesn't miss. So it's always good. I always could use more John Noble in my life. Um, well, it's funny you say that because my, my buddy is doing um, past and future guest on our podcast. Eric Carrasco uh, is doing um, a animated show about Norse gods um, for Netflix sold. with uh, uh, Zack Snyder's <laughs> producing it. And, uh, and one of the I, I believe that John Noble is Odin, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. Um, Just yeah. God. Just, anytime you hear what he's casted as, you're like, no, oh, that's perfect. You do, you can't miscast him. It's everyone knows his thing, and you're just like, oh, perfect. Um, and Sleepy Hollow, I just, I actually, for some reason, I think about his performance once in a while because just the way he does, like, child, like when he uses like childlike moments of like he just reverts back to a child. It's like, holy shit, you didn't think he had it in him, and that's actually that's yeah, you really know, solid. when when it was Alex who came up with the twist that the son would be this old man. Right. Um, and once we sort of, then it was kind of about getting to that twist, certainly at the end of season one, um, he's just great. There's just something very kind of um, terrifying and fragile about him. There's just a lot. He's, he's a, he's a tremendous actor. He's really, he's really, he's really special. Yeah. He would like be- I, I filled in a really big blind spot during the, pandemic uh, it's these movies called lord of the rings uh and um so yeah yeah, i was gonna say and and he was a character actor i mean a movie full of great character actors uh, that they took out note of and um 
Yeah. But, yeah. No one eats mutton gross. chops or whatever he's eating in that scene like him. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah. So, so gross. you know, just like 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 i when i've ever went to medieval times when i was like 12 or something i would somehow think of that scene when they gave me these fucking like chicken legs or whatever just because it's like the grossest way to just like it like grapes i think also was in that scene where he's just Mm -hmm. it's all over him like he doesn't have a napkin it's perfect yeah classic peter Mm -hmm. jackson yeah yeah (laughs) so this is the john noble podcast by the way this you know we're actually changing it mid-episode um all talking about john noble Uh, he would if he was Swedish, he would be great in. He would oh, have been interesting. Yeah. Or, uh, would have been a fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or um, yeah. maybe like the the detective that worked the case, or like some odd years oh, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. I mean, sure. I love John Noble, but he could also uh, he could probably play a Nazi too. I'm not gonna <laughs> probably probably in one of the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say, yeah. Speaking of Peter Jackson, like I don't know, would anyone pick Hobbits? Uh, are, no. are we on the no, no, no. Would you? Would you veto? No, but I mean, it would be fascinating. But... I mean, it, there's yeah, the a. I haven't. I didn't. I. Had. Yeah. Sorry. What? Oh, there would be a conversation to be had about that show. I mean, that those. Yeah, movies, I, like. I think those films are getting kind of a reclamation right now. There's a little really? bit of this, like mm. we were too hard on those. Ten years later, came out. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I I've not rewatched them, and if I'm being perfectly honest i don't think i've seen the third one i haven't seen um, the third one i you know i think many the disappointment <laughs> the disappointment for i think so many people is everyone was excited to see what del toro was going to do with them right. and then that falls apart and it becomes what feels like a retread of the lord of the rings movies um and people were i think a little bit too dismissive of them um, I, I, I plan on rewatching them as well. I rewatched to your, to what you were saying, Jack. I, I too rewatched, um, the Lord of the Rings movies. I, I rewatched, I watched the extended cuts of all three of them. Had to. Had to. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're fucking incredible. Like, they're just they're mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah it's pretty undeniable. Yeah. 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 Dragon tattoo. Um, uh-huh. here's the trailer that I'm playing right now. It's oh, a, the trailer. Okay. Yeah. She's one of the best investigators I have. But she's different. In what way? In every way. Something wrong with the report? Anything you chose not to disclose. He's clean, in my opinion. He's honest. Her credibility isn't dead yet. Mine is. He's had a long-standing sexual relationship with his co-editor of the magazine. Sometimes he pleasures her. Not often enough, in my opinion. No, you're right not to include that. I need your help. You come stay on the island. A way of avoiding all those people you might want to avoid right now. You will be investigating thieves, misers, bullies, the most detestable collection of people that you will ever meet. My family. This is Harriet. Someone in the family murdered Harriet. And for the past 40 years, has been trying to drive me insane. Also from her, and the rest from her killer. You failed to adapt to four foster homes. Were arrested twice for intoxication, twice for assault. How many partners have you had in the last month? And how many of those were men? I should have control of my money. And you will, once you learn to be sociable. Why don't we start with me? 
you know how to do. I can't find something you've been unable to find in 40 years. You don't know that. You have a very keen investigative mind. You were here that day. A terrible day. Searching and finding. I never found a body. Was it spontaneous? Was it calculated? Did she know something? Someone wish she didn't. The last time I reported on something without being absolutely sure, I lost my life saving. I need a research assistant. I know an excellent one. She did the background check on you. The what? You don't think we could hire just anyone for something like this? It's Mikhail Blomqvist. May I come in? We need to talk. Hey, hey, who do you think you are? Put some clothes on. Get rid of your girlfriend. Can I call you Elizabeth? I want you to help me catch a killer of women. I've got absolutely no idea of how they're connected to the death of a 16-year-old girl. Don't you need to look over these? I got it. It's better to look at what I am about to show you on an empty stomach. What are you doing? Reading a notes. They're encrypted. This. Rape, torture, fire, animals, religion. Am I missing anything? The names. I may have some. Nobody likes people poking around in their lives. Everybody knows why you're here. Someone killed her. Someone on the island that day. If a woman approaches any beast and dies with it, you shall kill the woman and the beast. These people are insane. Soon you will know us all, only too well, with my apologies. It's it's a I, I'm only introducing it because I okay. for yeah 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 because it's it's only because like I'm introducing it like it's a four minute trailer which I find very funny and Whoa. very unconventional um yeah, yeah yeah Sony like put out a very lengthy trailer for a very lengthy movie but it's also a perfect movie so Phil why don't you go ahead and start us out with the first time that you saw it so well I saw it uh, I actually saw an early screening of it. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a big hole. So Fincher did a uh, Fincher, Fincher, Sony, whatever you want to call it. Most of it, I imagine. Amy Pascal, maybe. Yeah, no, I think it was, there was a whole internet website kind of puzzle thing that they were doing to try to pull people into the movie. I remember when they did that. um, I missed that. Yeah, I know. So they, so they did that. And part of it was you could um, sign up, to see the film early um and i wish i still had it but i actually got a bit like a big ticket it looked like a big movie ticket that was black and silver and had girl with the dragon tattoo and it was like an admit to thing um it literally looked like the ticket from um uh, last action hero but gothic and dark and <laughs> and you know fincher i was thinking um, really walked and, and i'm like that's steely blue yeah yeah it was it was awesome i i'm sure i have a I know I took a picture of it and I posted it on Facebook, but it would take me too long to find it. Otherwise, right. I would show it to you guys. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, yeah, I was just like, I can't. I can't. Also a Fincher but, callback. That's funny. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so I went to see it, I want to say, maybe a week early, if that. It was something along those lines. And I went to see it with a couple friends. Um, I had read the books. I had seen <laughs> the, the Swedish films. Um, so I was very excited to see it. Um, and it was really everything that I could have ever wanted it to be. I, I, I prefer it to the Swedish 
film. Um, nothing against Numi, who who I love and is wonderful, and and uh, and almost did a, a show with a few years ago. So oh, wow. nothing against Numi, but um, but uh, Rooney is Elizabeth Salander. I mean, it is. Um, she just embodies everything that you imagine when you're reading the books. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I listen. I, I think that the movie is. I would argue one of the more underrated Fincher films. I think that it's not really talked about when you have the Fincher conversation. Um, you know, it's usually it's usually uh, Social Network, Zodiac, maybe a Fight Club, Seven. You know what I mean? Like those are kind of the unimpeachable ones, the ones that everyone wants to debate about what what's best. Um, you know, your 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 antagonistic friends will pick Zodiac because they like to be the person that picks the film that no one saw. Um, and, and pick that one. Um, and, and your, you know, your, your bros will probably pick fight club. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, movie because it does kind of, I mean, clearly the guy loves making movies about serial killers. Like clearly he's obsessed with serial killers. Um, Mm -hmm. so him being handed this property, I remember when it was announced and I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, it's not and, – and for and it should also be said, too, um, this is the movie he follows up the social network with. The social network later. comes out in 2010, as you, yeah. as you guys very well know. Um, and everyone expects the social network to win all the Oscars, but Fincher won't do the dance, so he doesn't win any. Um, <laughs> and, um, and the follow-up to it is – a hundred and twenty million dollar check to write this to direct this movie, um, and he goes to fucking town. Like, there's no like this to me is the most. I would argue, this is the most unabashed. Fincher's given a blank check and spends way too much money on a movie that probably could have cost a fraction of what he spent on it. Um, yeah, it's got to be either this or Mank. That's the yeah. How much did check, he but... How much the Mank? Well, Mank is different because Mank feels like that's more of like a film exercise. Right. This is mm-hmm. like, oh, you want me to make you a franchise? Okay, <laughs> but this is how much it's going to cost. I suppose I was only thinking of the passion project sort of thing. Like this is my dad's version, and like that's uh, what I mean, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Mank is him cashing his Netflix check and being like, I fucking birthed you guys with House of Cards, so. You know, and you're gonna let right. me make you're gonna let me make mace, which no 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 slight against that. I get why he would want to do that. This though, I mean you guys have heard have you heard the the Sony uh electronics story about this movie by any chance? I don't think so I don't think I have, no, no, it doesn't. So the, the, the and again, like I, this is this is all you know. Basically, I heard this from a friend whose buddy was working on the movie. So I think that there is some legitimacy to this. But basically what happened was Sony went to Fincher and said, can we please use Sony computers in this movie? We obviously have a whole line of computers. We obviously have a whole line of electronics. This is an opportunity for us to be able to use them and and incorporate this character as a hacker. And Fincher said, fuck off, no. In the book, it's all Apple computers. We're going to do Apple computers. Like, that's just what it is. And they were like, "Um, okay. So then it kind of works its way up the food chain. And eventually, you know, very powerful people are saying to Fincher, like, you have to incorporate Sony products into this film. Like, there's no way that we can't do that. 
and he capitulates. He's like, that's fine. The camcorder that's used when she's raped will be a, Sam, a Sony camcorder. And it is. <laughs> so it's like, again, this is this was what they signed up for. Fascinating. What an ornery <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just he doesn't give a I fuck. I love Fincher and, so and much. Part, <laughs> I do, too. And, I mean, I don't think he was making, just to be clear to your listeners, I don't think he's making light of the assault. Uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Way. And that's not but the I reason just, we love Fincher. That, you know, it's just of one of them. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 it's yeah. that he just doesn't give a fuck, right? But And this is mm-hmm. him at his most I don't give a fuck, right? He's just come off his most lauded film, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And, and by far, I believe his biggest success at the Oscars, right? And that certainly gives you cachet even he's more so than just like yeah. your name. Yeah, he's most nominated. Uh, and uh, also the follow up to uh, Ben 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 Butt, Benjamin right? Butt. So it's like after Ben Butt, you know, goes and makes social network, and I think like ben those Butt. two are the uh, Oscar like big Oscar players after Zodiac bombs, right? So I guess like it's an interesting kind of like uh, um, it's an interesting that. Uh, like turnaround, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, this is, you're making an interesting point because I do think that um, if you look at Fincher's oeuvre, you look at his filmography, Benjamin Button is the Oscar play, right? right. Like it's yeah. him being like, it's, crowd please. it's a crowd pleaser. I'm yeah. going to make the crowd. Ple- I mean, it, <laughs> well, let's put I said, or, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. I shouldn't say possibly could. it's I been a very Benjamin long Button. time since I've seen Ben Butt, so I guess like you're you're <laughs> like on a better place to speak. <laughs> I love how you keep calling it Ben Butt. It's just yeah, perfect. I, I'm, I'm not going to jump on the Ben Butt moniker, no, but I'll I just it. say that it's a habit. Um, it's a it's a habit. I will say this: I love Benjamin Button. I think that is also a film that people don't give enough credit to. But it is to your point. It's the Oscar Beatty movie, right? It's big movie stars. It's big. It's Kennedy Marshall. It's like it gets it's it's just a, a very expensive, very hard project to make that lots of Spielberg almost did it. Lots of filmmakers almost mm-hmm. made that film. Um, so he makes it and he doesn't win the Oscar. Everyone loves, you know, at that year, it was obviously Slumdog Millionaire's year, and that seems to sweep everything. And then he makes Social Network, which, you know, is a masterpiece, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, but he doesn't want to give the Oscars what they want, which is kiss the ring and do all the bullshit that's right. necessary in order to win an Academy Award. So he doesn't win anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then he follows that tradition by saying, if you want me to make Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, I'm going to make it, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Right. You know, he goes to Sweden, which is, you know, this is on location shooting, which is incredibly mm-hmm. expensive. Um, he's doing his classic, you know, a million takes of shit. Um, and it's it's a very expensive movie to make. Uh, it does fine at the box office. It doesn't do great in terms mm-hmm. of how much they spent on it. I mean, you can't say that a movie that makes over two hundred fifty million dollars. This wasn't a smash. Yeah, but two hundred fifty million dollars is not nothing. But I right. understand your point, which is like it didn't it didn't do what they thought it was going to do, which was launch a franchise. And then the irony is, and I will say this: it continues to break my fucking heart that we don't get the second and third. Yeah. installments of this trilogy um and it, it 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 pains me that we don't because the second book is so fucking good and ends on an amazing cliffhanger um and he was trying to capitulate he tried to give he was like i'll shoot them back to back i'll shoot them in montreal like he was trying to find ways to do it on a budget and sony was just like no nah, man <laughs> like you gave us the fucking gears when you made this first one and now I just don't think that they they could make the money work ultimately. 
and it's just a, a huge bummer. But in the Alvarez Foy one is just in like to see that. I don't. I pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, as, as much as I love Claire Foy, um, mm-hmm. that movie is bizarre and not very good. I'll just say this one one thing though about this film, which is that because you don't have the other two, it oddly becomes its own animal. Right. So it's not the type of thing that's compared to the other trilogy, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which is that it's kind of a standalone movie. And I would also say watching it yesterday again for the umpteenth time, um, for the first time, I kind of was like, there's something oddly fitting about this film leaving us in a heartbroken, lonely place right. with Lisbeth Slander driving off. You know, there's something kind of almost perfect about that being the way that his version of this story ends right i mean i'm yeah twisting myself into pretzels but i'll just say that 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 i do i do think that that's uh part of all of this yeah and like elizabeth slander doesn't have like a destination like you know thing like oh y'all she'll and i guess uh, like i read like i read that she has a sister like you don't think like this she'll go to the sisters and uh you know they'll just meet up and and that'll be the relationship that she'll carry out that she feels like she needs someone to like be around, but it's it, the unsatisfying ending. It's like, that's a Fincher trademark yeah. to the end. And, and he never yeah. gives us, it, it, he never gives the characters in a state of happiness, at least what their version of happiness would be. It's like, you know, that it's fitting that Erica and uh, Mikhail are, are walking off in the distance and then like uh, Lizbeth is going the other way. It's fitting that like, Mark Zuckerberg is refreshing the page of Facebook, waiting for all right to accept his friend request. You know, it's just like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's appropriate. It's, it's you know, also, it's fitting that Nick and Amy are like still together at the end of Conquer. <laughs> you know, all these things all are just his, like, I mean, the head in sure, the box. Yeah. I mean, all of his movies are yeah, definitely right. uh, fuck yous to the audience when everything is said and done at the end. Um, you know, the other thing that should be said too, is he's never done a sequel before. Um, so there is a part mm-hmm. of me that that is curious and about very famously he, like going to do World War Z too. You know, he I guess, like, that's World War Z. worth yeah. mentioning. Yeah. Well, he it did is. do Alien I mean, Three, the Alien yeah, Cubed. But, I mean, he has not done a sequel to his. No, own no, film. I know like, it's he's not never his done. Movie. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, and yeah, also yeah, he yeah. disowns and hates that film. But yeah. uh, but I'll, I'll say it's that not bad. the girl who played with fire um, is very much a sequel, right? Like it's, it, it, it's, it's very much built in a sequel mold and very much has, I don't know if you know how that, that book ends. Um, but Lisbeth gets shot in the head at the very end of the, of the second book. And the third book is her uh, in the hospital recuperating, what have you. And, and the third book is really separating the two of them and then kind of bringing them back together at the end. But hmm. You know Fincher would have loved to put a bullet in her head at the end of the movie and then be like, see ya, maybe later. Right, like it's yeah. so – there's a part of me that's just like um, – that mourns that. Right. Um, hmm. But I'm just – then I just think like, fuck, we got this movie, man. And I love it so yeah, fucking much. That's true. Like, yeah, because it's not so much like Fincher wanted a franchise. It was the adult R-rated, like something unique – uh, in the time when, like we've discussed uh, a few times before, like uh, why I why adaptation. I mean, not so much like the YA adaptations we're speaking out, but just like adaptations in general, where it's just like they were finding a hit series of books because this book, these books were a hit, and uh, the the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series and the Twilights and the Hunger Games and the uh, Diversions, like they all share like this pretty populous, you know, uh, 
hit, you know, uh, kind of thing. And yeah, then, like, no, I know what you're saying. It's, yeah, it's, there, I mean, listen, the, the, the Stieg Larson books and, and just those three that he wrote, not, not the ones that have sort of run with the characters since, um, are fantastic books. Um, they were a huge hit right around the, you know, they were definitely sort of, you know, you had Gone Girl that came out a few years later and like a lot of these kind of very edgy, dark, pulpy, fucked up, interesting yeah. kind of franchises that did really well. I mean, I think it should also be said too, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, the marketing campaign for this film. You know, you mentioned a four minute trailer. That, that was the second trailer. There was a teaser trailer that was scored entirely to uh, Carano's cover of Immigrant mm. Song, which is what opens this film with the credit sequence, God. which is just fucking amazing. Just thinking about it, yeah. <laughs> Those <laughs> opening credits are fucking nuts. I wasn't prepared yeah. for that. I yes, was not yes. prepared for this. Oh, I wish Wait, I wish I was destination, destination opening. opening? Yeah, oh, this is my first, my first. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also so jealous you got to. View I know, me, me too. Um, but no, with the marketing, I just wanted to quickly add that I yeah. love the teaser poster. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's like the, yeah, the X-rated one. It's rad because it's like this like isn't a film poster. <laughs> this is just like an ad for Abercrombie and Fitch or just like some well, some like sexy bone, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it, yeah. it just doesn't even feel. It just yeah, it's just totally well, unreal. Bring that up. No. I would, and I think that that's a, a worth a thing worth expanding on a little bit, which is that Fincher went into this, and God bless him for it, by saying, "Okay, I'm going to make my franchise. I'm going to take I'm going to take Lisbeth Salander, and I'm going to make her my superhero, right?" Mm. So like, it's about. I mean, if you look at the the um, the the costumes in this film, they sold a line of Lisbeth Salander clothes in 2011 that you could buy. Wow. You know, they were they were selling the razor blade necklace, right? Like they were making they were basically saying like we're going all fucking in on this and we are going to try to merchandise this movie. Now that's crazy it is crazy to think that they were like yeah yeah yeah. we think we can get all those fucking hardcore goth people and they're gonna buy all this shit which is the antithesis of goths so like Mm. you're really kind of working against yourself by thinking that you can commodify what's going on in this film but all that being said the trailer the teaser trailer which is fucking gorgeous which is just images and and expertly edited to the karen o song is fucking amazing. Um, they called it the what did they something like the the something about the the worst Christmas like they were leaning into the fact that they were releasing this film at Christmas, you know what I mean? So right at the gate, they're basically saying like this is the crazy anti Christmas movie, which is this is the counter programming. It's not a great mm. way of going about this, right? Um, and then you've got this four minute trailer that comes out subsequently, which. I would argue is too long, probably, but like it's fucking awesome. And then you've yeah. got that poster, which, by the way, I don't know if you remember this. You could buy that poster on a metal, like they made a metal version of the poster. They were they made like a hundred of them, and literally wow. it was on like sheet metal, and they just printed the poster of her and him, where and him sort of exposing her chest. And it's, it just says, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
that's like the, the date line of the movie yeah and the date and that's think... it and then the, then the muppets did a shitty version of parody version yep of it. but i had that written down yeah 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 <laughs> but i just <laughs> think really that like yeah. Yeah. that teaser poster is fucking rad yeah. it's just he looks weird and like kind of gross and she looks <laughs> insane and i'm just uh-huh. like why did you think that this was a good idea <laughs> right. but i love that you did this they, they're this a little one? unrecognizable yeah i love that poster yeah that that's a great poster With the too. Worst yeah, like, in the world. like smoke electricity between <laughs> the two of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's but here's the thing and and that poster i think actually exemplifies something that really hit me as i was rewatching it yesterday there's a moment in this film where um it's after she well, first of all they don't meet for the first hour and yeah which rules just, yeah just chef's kiss to him just being like yeah you they'll meet an hour into this film um so they meet and he wakes up one morning she's fucking around on his computer and then he tries to navigate the computer and he's doing it really slowly and it's pissing her off and she looks like she wants to kill him because he's an old dad futzing with stuff that doesn't make any sense mm. and then then the two of them lock into a photo and they're looking at the photo together and they're kind of piecing it together between the two of them. And I'm just like, this is the coolest fucking duo because they make no sense together. (laughs) And yet at the same time, they make all the sense in the world. It's just like, you've never seen a duo like them before. And I would argue you haven't seen it since. And that's what I love so much about this. They're both broken and they're both kind of lost and the movie is, and I hate to say this because it sounds so trite, but like the movie really is about these two vastly different, incredibly different people who are struggling with their own demons and their own problems. And through this case, they're able to come together right. and fix themselves to some degree or another through this case. And it's just done really organically and beautifully. And, and so anyway, that's why that poster that you just showed, Clay, to me is just like, there's an electricity between these two people. And I love that it's Daniel Craig because, like, he's not a conventional looking guy. Like, if it was Brad Pitt, you'd be like, yeah, of course you want to start. Or Clooney. Or Clooney. Um, I mean, Vigo might have been interesting. Like, I could Mm -hmm. see a Vigo Mortensen version of it that would have been interesting. Like, Mm. yeah. Yeah. And this is the same year, I believe, as A a Dangerous Method. So I suppose, like, that that sort of put together. Yeah, but uh, professional. But I I just, I love that it's Daniel Craig. and, And even, you know, we talked earlier before we jumped into this film about you know age differences right right mm. you know before they fuck in this movie he's just like i don't think this is a good idea mm-hmm. and she's like why not he's like well i'm old and gross and you're <laughs> young and like this is a bad idea mm. i just love that they call it out you know what i mean right. that they, that that the movie doesn't make it just seem like of course this guy gets to have sex with this beautiful young woman yeah yeah right it is they, it wears it's it's not like hiding anything this movie it's not like you know it's not trying to subvert or i don't think it is like i think it's trying i think it kind of knows what it is pretty from the onset it's like paperback airport thriller just but like to the extent of like perfection uh mm. and that's and i've mentioned that before it's like that's some of my favorite movies uh i, I think like either two weeks i don't know I've, I've, i keep forgetting when we record what but i talked about like a walk among the tombstones it's like a sure. one of my like real that's like an underrated movie that nobody the scott saw. frank movie mm, i think so yeah, yeah yeah i think it's scott frank yeah. yeah um and that you know the sleaze and grime that you can just like i think that was on coming by your name yeah uh, i think right because you mentioned uh, liam neeson liam neeson yeah, yeah. yeah that's right yeah yeah um yeah. and well, it's just, <laughs> and it's just interesting um 
that I haven't seen this movie before. I think it was maybe because I heard, like, one of the first things I heard about this movie was the rape scene. And that's one of those things where, like, that's, like, your main thing Which you one? hear. It's not like, oh, I gotta watch it. You know, it's not like, it's like, oh, I I don't know. I'll have to be in a mood for it. Um, I still haven't seen Aliens 3 and Ben, but, um, but those are the two... Those are the two movies I haven't seen from his filmography, um, but mm. I've seen every other Fincher movie. Uh, love him, of course, um, especially yeah. rewatching past and future guests. Yeah, yeah, God, um, <laughs> past guest. I, I love that. We recorded a secret episode we haven't released yet. That was with, <laughs> with David. David Fincher. Yeah, I'll be tech. Oh my God, so interesting. But I think it's <laughs> I, I, it is. But like seeing it for the first time, it's just like, oh, this is like one of the movies that I need, I haven't seen, but I just connected to almost immediately. Like I knew you would. Yeah. I think the perfect encapsulation, like the perfect scene for me, like the perfect, like line reading and exchange that was like, Oh, this is one of my favorite movies of the decade is can I go, can I please go kill him now? And he's like, yeah. 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 Did you read about that though? About that moment by any chance? No, there's, there's, so it's really interesting. I love that moment too. But there's been there's some, there's a debate about this to some degree or another, because a lot of people, some people online were like, why is she asking permission? And a lot of people, Fincher said, for what it's worth, he said, um, to him, it's not her asking permission; it's her basically saying, "Are you with me now in this?" It's basically regarding the true horrors of man. And Mikkel knows about terror in this sort of learned way, whereas Elizabeth has lived it. So she's looking for understanding as opposed to saying, you know, can I go murder this person? Right. It's more about like, now do you get it? And he's like, yes, I get it now. Go kill this guy. I, yeah. I read it. Because like, there's a, there, like between the lines, you can see like Elizabeth and has never had a partnership like Mikkel. And right. like, there's a lot of, like uh, relieves in her and there's a lot of like returning to like abuse and uh and uh power dynamics and i think this is a relationship without power dynamics or abuse in my eyes and it's like uh yeah this is finally where she can where she can be like free from or or she can ask permission but also uh, have agency i think it's really yeah kind of what you said jack about the idea of like I don't know. It's a, when I read that moment, or like how I read that moment, it was like a mutual respect thing. It's like she's never really asked for anyone's opinion in her entire life, but yeah. he, but she actually respects him and respects his methodology yes. and his yes. expertise and how he works and his intelligence. Yeah. That was more of like I see you as an equal. I would like your permission because one, I respect your input and your opinion, mm-hmm. and I've never done that before in my entire life. Um, and it, it's also like. I don't know. I was like, I bet she doesn't like want to ruin his like. I don't know. Yeah, like, his I, I morals think that it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it should also be said too that um, she doesn't kill him. Uh, <laughs> he, he he dies uh, ultimately in by accident, fire. which is a little bit of a cop out. But I but I understand why they didn't want her murdering someone in cold blood. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, although he deserves it, obviously, uh, and then some. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting moment because I feel like this movie kind of plays with gender roles a lot of the, the idea of alphas and betas um, to some degree or another. I think that Mikkel is very much the beta to right. Lisbeth's alpha throughout this entire yeah. film. Um, she's the one that saves him. Um, she's the one who 
sews up his face. Um, you know, she's she is the one who um, understands how fucked this whole situation is from the jump. I mean, that scene when they meet for the first time, and he says, "I want you to help me catch the killer of women." Um, the way she looks at him, I mean, first of all, the the way that that Rooney portrays Lisbeth she very rarely makes eye contact with anybody. She's always either looking away or looking mm-hmm. down, very infrequently makes eye contact, uh, very infrequently comes close to even smiling. Um, she doesn't show emotion, really, unless it's anger. <laughs> right. um, so for her to look him straight in the eyes when he says, I want you to help me catch the killer of women, like that is, that's the moment. That's when these two people are activated. That's when the They're fixers. You know, like they, they feel like punishments need to be had. A little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And she knows it and she's ready to fucking do that. Like, she's like, great. Wh- where do I start? What do you want me to do? Um, and that's what I love about, I mean, one of the many things that I love about this film. But yeah, I mean, there's also something that I think is interesting that Fincher said. He said the big draw for him was more, more than just locked room mystery of killings. It's a tale about how a 20 something girl and a 40 something man help each other out of hiding. Like that it's, that it's about pulling each other out of the darkness um you know she knows more about this guy he says it but the person who knows more about me than anyone because of her hacking into his various right um computers and what have you um she knows all of his all his bad shit you know mm. and um how exposing that must be and yet he wants to wrap his arms around this person that knows about all of his um good and bad deeds i think is pretty is pretty unbelievable for um, sure yeah, I, I I went on a podcast. I don't know if you guys listened to it. I went on a podcast called the Credit Score Podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard of this podcast. No, I'm looking this up. Um, it's all about movie credits. Um, so Ooh. I talked for over an hour and a half about the credits of this film um, with, uh, with with the two guys on this on this podcast. Um, so anyone who wants to hear me uh, speak and wax poetically about the credit <laughs> sequence of this film should go there. Um, that being said, I think we can all agree that it is a fucking perfect credit sequence. nothing else like it yeah i try not to use this word too much because i think it's just one of those overused phrases and has like been co-opted by popular culture to be just like pure cringe but that Mm. opening credit sequence is metal as fuck that's a metal (laughs) like that's pure fucking metal just it is it is it's Mm -hmm. wow it i really like it's just i'm not saying like i don't know it's crazy that fincher can still surprise me even though it's not like it's not like this movie was like, oh, this is totally not a David Fincher movie. Of course, it's just like it, it's all of his shtick. I mean, it's a great shtick, but it's like doesn't it doesn't it yep. doesn't show me like 
this huge different range of his or whatever. So I, but it is like those moments though, this, this, his, his different choices. And I'm just like, mm. he still surprised me. It's crazy. It's just cause it's like, I don't I, know. I, I feel like I saw it all. And that, and, and that's, like, no, here's this, this. And the sequence is supposed to be, um, uh, Elizabeth's nightmare, I guess. And, the, and the, there's Whoa. images from, yeah. Uh, well, like... it's if you look at it, and and we did on this on the Credit Score podcast. If you look at it frame by frame, it's actually the entire trilogy. So, if you want to say we got all three of the films, from Finfrey, <laughs> you could conceivably say that we did because right. it covers her entire story. Um, and as you just said, you know, the goal was this sort of subconscious her nightmares, this primordial tar and ooze that exists inside her brain, and just like. Um, he also talked about how he wanted it's 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 his James Bond opening credit sequence, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's just of like bolting out a Zeppelin track. Like how how incredible is that? And like like and you know like speaking of Zeppelin, like the way he'll use Zeppelin songs in uh, Mindhunter is just unbelievable. Right. Like like one of my favorite needle drops in. Uh, Mindhunter is uh, in in the light by, uh, you know, at the finale. Like, holy shit! <laughs> like that. That is yeah. also just like a moment. I'll, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, it's but it's, yeah, it is a phenomenal credit sequence that I remember mm -hmm. sitting in the theater. And the film uh, opens with a, a very very uh, short sort of prologue, if you will, where uh, and it's a bit longer in the Swedish version. Yeah. Uh, uh, where Henrik uh, receives um, a pressed flower and he calls his friend and whatever. Um, and then you hear the, the drums immigrant song. I was just like grinning from ear to ear when that credit sequence starts and you see it on this big screen. You're just like, this fucking guy is having so much fun spending mm. Sony's money right now. Like he's just, <laughs> what can I do? That's just going to be the biggest, boldest way into this, into this movie. Um, it's unparalleled. I mean, mm -hmm, for it's, sure, it's just just absolutely staggering. Um, yeah. Real fast, uh -huh. I just wanted to go with my first experience, and Definitely. that this was um, one of the movies that I've mentioned this a few times. My dad had burned a couple dozen movies that we had gotten shipped to our house that were Netflix oh, yeah. DVDs, and we were supposed to set them back, but. Then we were like, I like what I watched. And then just like take the, you know, I don't have to explain yeah, yeah, when bring yeah. them. It's like, stole, I didn't, stole yeah, he yeah. stole the movies. Yeah. And uh, this was on the family computer. So like, you know, just like anybody can go and yep. like. Uh, I think you can get put I... on a watch list if you have this on the family computer. <laughs> the NSA lot, okay. Well, hang on. There's a lot worse movies you can have no, on I a know. family just, computer. Yeah. No, but that's yeah. how it goes. Um, <laughs> I you know, I like I've mentioned before, like I've there are many movies that we've covered and not covered that were on the family computers, Netflix burned section, and uh, you're a criminal enterprise, you know, a criminal enterprise, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this one, I didn't know what it was, but I remember <laughs> like it was around the time that I saw the social network for the first time, and the social network was one of those other movies, and sure. Um, like, oh, there's like some connection, like maybe this was the first time I had ever heard of David Fincher and yeah, just like watching this at like 12 years, 
year old, 13 Holy years old. Fuck. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like 14, something like that. Yeah. Like, I wish I remembered this better, but because it's not, this isn't a very good story otherwise. But um, no, and it's, and it's like that sequence that always like stuck with me because it's like, it's nothing like sexual or like, there's nothing gra- oh, like God. graphic. Yeah, right, 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 right. I, I suppose like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean, but it's there's no like blood or anything. Like it's not gratuitous. It's yeah. like just yeah. like startling. Like it really just like jolts you, and then like for the rest of the movie, it carries over to that like metal feeling that you discuss. Um, there's also something. But yeah, yeah. So I, I've like I, I haven't rewatched this as much as I'd like. Um, as much as the social network or gone girl, but I hadn't seen anything like this when I right. saw it. And, um, also worth mentioning before I forget that this is the second Steve Zalian script, uh, in 2011 that we've covered the other's Moneyball, uh, where the daughter goes to her dad and says, Hey, don't forget X, Y, and Z, like be a good person. I love you. Just like Manuel, so. Yeah, no, for sure. There's definitely, um, <laughs> the daughter in this is a little, I don't, I, 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 there are choices that were made in the adaptation of this film that I think are brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, the end. Um, in the book, um, Harriet is hiding in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a little just clunky um it just doesn't it doesn't read great does she say good day um, mate like how many times does she say? <laughs> i i truly don't re- i all i remember is like they fucking go to australia and they confront right. her and i right, think right. that zalian's smart in keeping her literally under his nose mm-hmm. um i think that that's much more satisfying um yeah so i i, I appreciated that about it the daughter, it's just a little bit, and I think it's more just, um, she just doesn't have a lot of screen time. So she literally like pops up just to say, hey, and to give him this huge fucking clue and then fucks yeah. off. So it's it's a little bit They're like- They're Bible verses. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, wait, what? And then she's like, oh. yeah. he's like I love you. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, you're, right. you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> I feel like in um, any other movie that could be played way, but because it's Fincher, it's just like, yeah. oh, well, yes, of course, there's another sure, clue. Sure. And like, yeah. Um, it's, it, I appreciated yeah. that. In from what I saw, this was a better. This is like a more of a adaptation from the book more than is a remake of the Swedish film. Um, which I, yeah. by the way, saw the Swedish film for for this. Pretty boring. It, like I gotta yeah, say, yeah, like doesn't have that much propulsion, and it's like, no. I I don't know. I just it, there's no. I mean, comparing it to David Fincher is just like an unfair. Uh, sure. ask but it's but like yeah there's no there's just nothing there like like you said the... nick vist and Verpas are both pretty great but other than that yeah i i mean listen i think that fincher um obviously is 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 great and i think that zalian is running with the parallels of religion that exist in this film so that the daughter speaks to that thematically makes sense right um and it's not that it comes out of nowhere necessarily there is one other scene with her where they're talking about religion and he's like you know why are you so religious and her just being like because i am and that's right and that's fine um but it's uh i think that this movie has obviously a very strong religious component coursing underneath it um in terms of the manipulation and the sort of the psychoses that go with some of these people and and 
these weird connections that they have to the to, to to religion and feeling as though religion is giving them the the go ahead to do the things that they do um again a perversion of religion but it's worth noting that that the daughter is a way of showing that it can be fine that right. there are good people out there that are religious people and and whatever um i i want to talk a little bit about the editing for a second because i feel like this kind of fits into that um this movie won the oscar for editing um <laughs> it's in a very small group to only win editing as well correct yeah um they won also for social network um the previous year so back-to-back wins for kirk baxter and i don't remember the other guy's name forgive me i can pull like it up max something i think yeah it's the same team as social network yeah. it's the same team as social network um angus Wall. this movie there you go mm-hmm. this movie is paced like a motherfucker this thing is two hours and 40 minutes and it moves it never feels boring it never feels um i i just it's part of it is because every part of this production is at such a high high quality right obviously the cinematography and the production design and the costumes like it's all just unbelievable right um but it, it really can't be stated enough how well edited this film is mm. um and uh yeah i just they they deserved it and it's a rarity that the oscars give <laughs> although when it comes to below the line the oscars tend to be a little bit more judicious because mm. they don't care about it right, um, right. and the classic the... and the the big joke about editing is like it's not the best editing but the most editing is it's why right. you'll see Bo rap win and don't look up getting nominated because yeah. it's like this <laughs> but it's like no yeah. that kind of it does yeah. track with what they like sometimes and uh but this, it's like defying that for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is, this is, again, it's amazing to me how uh, so many people work in an industry that they know so little about. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I, I know that that sounds like I think I know everything and I certainly don't, but I do think that the Academy Awards in particular tend to be a situation where you find yourself being like, how could you watch Bohemian Rhapsody and say that's the best edited film of the year? I mean, the editor of that film has said, I don't deserve this award. <laughs> this, he kind of disowns the movie. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's baffling to me. And you said it best. Like sometimes they think that the most editing is the best editing. And Fincher certainly knows how to, how to make a kinetic music video or a kinetic looking movie. He's done that before. Um, but this movie is just fucking seamless. It's surgical. The precision mm-hmm. of it is just absolutely magnificent. The way Gone Girl moves is similar too. Yes. Um, yes. Like the editing moves, but it moves in a way where it doesn't feel, it feels like so efficient uh, in the way like uh, um, like Nick Dunn will just like go from from talking to people and like the way like someone will give him a piece of information because like information is like so important to Fincher and like, I mean, Nick will like receive a piece of information and like, Oh, well then this person gave me that thing. And then like, it'll cut to that person. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's so smart. Like our, our brains are almost like trained then to be like, I want to see that thing that the person's talking about. And then we do, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a weird way to explain it, but uh. no, no, no. I, I agree with you. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, one of Fincher's big kind of, themes visually and 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 narratively is perspective 
Um, he loves to show you things from a myriad of perspectives. And this idea that seeing it through different people's eyes, it's, you know, the Rashomon theory to some degree of if you're seeing it through someone else's eyes, you are perceiving this in a completely different way. Um, Gone Girl obviously is a perfect example of, you know, laying the groundwork for the twist of she's not dead halfway through that film. Spoiler if you haven't seen Gone Girl. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but this film um, is also playing with perception right? right it's the idea of um what harriet was seeing on the day what um uh his name is henrik right am i drawing up is that am i plumber yeah Henrik. Henrik is seeing it from a completely different perspective as well right. um you know mikhail and lisbeth are seeing things through completely different perspectives mm-hmm. and how vitally important that is to storytelling for him is part of his thing like that's just one of yeah. his things and perspective as visual language too too because like jeff cronenworth the great like three-time collaborator i think uh like moves the camera in such a specific way always like yeah. you feel especially with some shots it like there's a few videos online about like how you'll track i mean it goes to like fincher's perfectionism but it's like you'll track uh mikhail perfectly like the eye line is like so seamlessly focused in and then like once he leans back like the camera is like following him um perfectly and and then like you know you feel that the camera ha- is like such like an omniscient point of view and yeah it's just Absolutely. it's all great because like you know and with the uh, perspective comes i think another underrated or under discussed uh theme like passage of time is and like the way that he shows passage of time is really interesting like (laughs) i'm one of those people that will say zodiac is my favorite and the way that he says or the way they show us rather uh passage of time is like you know like there's that moment where like san francisco is having that monument built Mm -hmm. and like all the music at the time is like playing above the uh Mm -hmm. the monuments building and it's like yeah it's like you know it's it's like so creative where like as opposed to like cutting to like a shot of like the Golden Gate Bridge or something that we've seen millions yeah, of times. He's, he's and like here, yeah, and yeah. just like you know, here it's like how passage of time affects Henrik and like his constant need to have have this feel. Like he's he's going, he's getting to the end of his life, and we kind of see like you know he's not he's kind of a good person. And I think like these, I, I think like with a lot of Fincher characters, they're good people, but they'll just like they have messy moralities. Uh, and yeah. yeah, it's just like this is you know, a thing with time passing that he just, like, wants this gap in his life filled in. Jack, when you mentioned, like, the eyeline thing and tracking Craig perfectly, there's this shot um, that's almost so inconsequential. You're like, why is it in the movie? But in the sense of how I, how the editing justifies it, um, she's in the archives room, and she's, like, kind of, like, she's just walking in the archives room yep. uh, and, like, drinking coffee and just, like, going, like, straight forward. And it's like on a dolly shot, I think it's like, or not dolly shot, uh, on a tracking shot where um, it's just like, it just follows her and like keeps it on her face while it cross cuts to um, Craig, like freaking out in the, um, in uh, what's his name? The brother. Martin. Martin, Martin's house. And it's like one of those things where I realize, okay, something's going to happen to Elizabeth, right? I mean, like they're not showing this because she's actually drinking coffee. And that like nothing's yep. gonna happen, and like someone's gonna jump out and like scare her. 
Um, it's uh, it's one of those things where a burlap know, sack is going to go over her head, right? Like we, right, we something know. like that. Yeah, like our audiences gone. were trained. What, yeah. what is, where yeah. is he? Where is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and just another, you know, I've I've talked about how cross cutting. I mean, talking about something that's like like per uh, that's like directed at my sensibilities of watching movies is like another reason why I talk about Colette Sarah one once in a while and like unknown and nonstop <laughs> is like those are just some of the perfect like cross-cutting action films where it's just like boom 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 like it just does not fucking stop and it's just so well edited and um you know it's funny you say that because i i i that's a moment that i clocked as well um in terms of the editing and in terms of the propulsion you guys are talking about how they're both kind of crescendoing at the same moment they're both they're both putting together that it's martin literally at the same moment um and that that sort of barreling towards each other that is so suspenseful to watch and to your point with martin there's real suspense because he's martin's come home and what you're really wondering is when's she gonna put it together and can she put it together fast enough in right. order to to save right Mikhail? um and it's just it's so expertly done again it should be said too trent reznor and atticus ross's Ugh. score in this film, yeah i was wondering when we I, get to their names yeah. which is i mean i it should also be said too. You asked earlier about uh, what am I watching. Um, it should be said too uh, that I'm writing with that score basically playing <laughs> all the fucking time. Like it is, it is yeah. one of my go-to scores because it is just the perfect amount of propulsion and atonal and and musical and eerie um, that I can because I can't listen to music with lyrics when I'm writing. Otherwise, right. I can't yeah. either. Um, but this score is fucking magnificent and it's not one that people talk about very much they talk about social network they talk about Watchmen, both of which mm -hmm. i adore um but this score and i'm so fucking angry that at the time i i just want the vinyl so badly right. and the vinyl deluxe set of this is you can't find it anywhere anymore like it's just it's impossible to find mm -hmm. um but it was this just gorgeous fucking three vinyls with just a, a, a usb that's the razor um and a sony camcorder comes with it i think and a sony camcorder comes <laughs> yeah. with it too. Yeah, you'd be surprised <laughs> yeah crazy. um but i just but I, I as we were saying about the editing so much of it is the score too right right like, so it's all just working so it's so simple. ambient it feels like you know all the fincher resner ross collaborations feel a little bit different for each other they don't feel like anonymous like i love this composer michael giacchino can sometimes feel like okay like you don't feel like this has much of a personality here, but... To the other projects we've done, and what's interesting is I, I wouldn't, if I'm writing songs, it's often a far different subject matter that comes in on these higher jobs that we get, and it becomes a, an interesting, usually interesting exercise in composition and, and studying emotions and trying to get them to translate. Uh, it's been rewarding, and if we do that kind of simultaneous with Nine Inch Nails, we found that each side gets inspired by the other, and it gives us a way to get out. And it also is nice to work in service to other people at times, you know, where you're not the boss. Mm. And it's often incredibly frustrating that you might, you might be amazed <laughs> to learn. But it, it's, it's in, it keeps it, we're still learning, and the learning part of it feels yeah. exciting. You know, because we don't really know what we're doing. And it's fun to be thrust into situations where we have to deliver this by this time and deal with the personalities and whatnot.
yeah, I, I agree. I have this whole playlist uh, of just like the Fincher, Reznor, Ross uh, I'm movies. I'm surprised you don't and, have yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross tattooed on your chest yet. I feel I, I've been <laughs> counting down the days until you have. Me I or mean, all of really, us? I feel like I mean, all of us. You know, it's like yeah, it's, mostly you. It's you know, it's really interesting because I feel like. Um, I'm not even that much of a Nine Inch Nails head. Like I, <laughs> like no, but Trent, you're a big Trent Reznor yeah. and Atticus Ross head. I do think that uh, it is interesting. They really are just a marriage made in heaven. These two, mm-hmm. um, and it is really interesting because back in the Fight Club days, um, Fincher approached Radiohead to do the score to Fight Club, and they laughed at him and said no. <laughs> um, and then ultimately, he landed on the Dust Brothers, and. And that score is perfect for that movie. And I certainly don't think that Trent Reznor necessarily would have been the right choice for that. Because there's this element of like poppiness that the Dust Brothers are bringing to it. And this kind of like weirdly sort of, there's just something that feels right about the Dust Brothers score to that film. Um, But now I'm just like, I mean, he has to score every one of, of, you know, Fincher's films at this point. Like now it's just like, they're synonymous in my brain and I can't really separate them. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, well, I speaking do, of a quick sec, it's like ahead. Johnny Greenwood in PTA. Yeah, yes. you got yeah. my. Fu- yeah. I I literally was right about it. to say yep. that. Oh man, <laughs> boom! So close, so close. <laughs> it is it is very much like those two now feel. Um, they do feel synonymous. There's no there's no way that they. But you know, it it is interesting too because you bring up Johnny Greenwood. You look at Trent Reznor. I mean, even Tom York did a did the score for Suspiria. Suspiria You're yeah. seeing this more and more now with these obviously with these rock stars that have decided that they want to kind of dip their toes into, into more orchestral waters. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the production of this film just from top to bottom is just so unparalleled. Like I was reading about, did you read about the rain tower sequence that he did? Yeah. So like the, the moment when Mikkel walks out at the very beginning of the film, the only time he has an accent, by the way, mm-hmm. is in that mm-hmm. one yeah. scene. The accents yeah. in this are nuts. Yeah. We, we'll talk about this after. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, yeah. So he walks. He walks outside, and there's like a press swarm, and it's raining. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, sure, it's it's a nice shot. I get it. I understand. I guess he had to construct one of the biggest rain towers in the history of Stockholm in order to get <laughs> 23 yeah. seconds of footage. I love it. I love it. Like that's how the movie costs 120 million dollars because this guy's like, if we're gonna fucking do it, we're gonna fucking do it. For a shot of uh, of weather, it's so good. Um, so good. And it's and it's it's like this movie it just like bring up the weather again. Uh, this it's almost like the snow is used here, like rain is used in Seven. Like it it yeah. feels like yes, so yes. cold and like you really yeah it's like. Um, you know, it's the miserable, it's, it's miserable. miserable. Yeah. It's a mis it's miserable. Uh, and you feel, you feel like isolated just like Mikkel does. And it's, yeah. a, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, that scene in social network, uh, when they're at that, um, fraternity party and, yeah, and they, go outside. Uh, they step outside in like the, um, the fake breath. Yeah. The in the cold air happened. and um yeah and you know like that's that's also a good good place to mention about fincher like started in ilm like like kind of invisible uh visual effects master like one of those people that just like as much as you don't want him to do world war z2 like it kind of made sense <laughs> where like just the amount of visual effects that he uses especially for this and uh in zodiac i, I think he uses a lot of them like you know, it, like well, ways in ways that you right. don't know their special effects. Uh, w- right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like the blood on Mikkel's face after he gets shot. Mm-hmm. 
that's computer generated like the, blood. The, I know. Blood I think the bangs in between yes. uh, yes. Elizabeth's hair is also like cut out. Like yeah, these are just crazy. like things that yeah. that are used so that he doesn't have to reset up. Right, like for him, he's just like if I he knows where to use it. Stage, yeah, yeah. And I know I'm only getting fucking one take before I have to reset all the fucking makeup again or whatever. So this way, I'll just do it digitally. No one will fucking know. Yeah, and I can just do shot, shot, shot. I just love his choice of when he wants to be practical and when he doesn't want to be practical. It's so <laughs> yeah. fucking funny. I mean, yeah. I'm still thinking about the fucking computer thing. I'm like, dude, just say yes. So come on. Like, what's, what's yeah. come on. I, I know you're I a perfectionist mean, and very smart and like you are yeah. like, one of the most intelligent filmmakers we have. Just say yes. Yeah, exactly. Just sometimes um, just take the L. Just take the L. Mm-hmm, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, he doesn't you know, know how to take L's. I know. And of it's course, so like one of the champions of digital cinematography where it's like of his generation, you'll see all these people uh, be like, no, film is like the way to go. And it's just like his movies look immaculate uh, especially the three in the 2010s that um you know i just i just love the i just love like the steely blue muted color palettes like oh it's him and of course like cinematography it's him and michael mann like the people who are like no i'm yeah. fucking doing it i'm just like fuck you guys like, you yeah. know like this is this is my, how i make movies and this and you're gonna take it and you're just gonna love it and that's just how it's gonna go i do I do think, though, it's interesting because, you know, at either end of the spectrum, you've got Fincher and then you've got Nolan, right? Right. And I refuse to believe that if you put Chris Nolan in a theater watching a a David Fincher film, that he would have any fucking problems with the way that those films look. The problem is that there's only one David Fincher and most people can't execute to the level that he can, right? Right. So, you know, Nolan's big concern is a a reasonable one, which is basically look at what Netflix looks like now, right? Which is they're basically their tech package is just the David Fincher tech package. They want everything to have that sort of, you know, metallic kind of vibe to it. They want everything to look very clean. They need it to fit on your phone. Yeah. It's like, right. It's sterile and it's boring. And unfortunately it's working for them. Right. So that's where Nolan's coming from. But at the same time, you watch this film or Benjamin Button, both shot digitally. Benjamin Button's an exquisite film. Ben Butt as we know it now. I refuse. Um, but I but I do think that it is interesting what you're saying, though, which is the choices that, that you're saying, Clay, which is the choices the guy makes as to when he wants to use computer-generated effects and when he doesn't. I mean, Panic Room is mostly a computer-generated, not mostly, but a large swath of that film has computer-generated photography in it. Mm. Um, it holds up pretty well, but you can still tell when it's a computer-generated shot. And Same with Fight Club, yeah. Same with Fight Club. Since yeah. then, I would say you really have no, no way of knowing. I mean, it's a gun to my head. I wouldn't be able to tell you what shots in this film were digitally you know, enhanced and what shots weren't. But I, I do think that, like, I want to talk about the casting for a quick second. Because I mm. do think that the Rooney Mara thing, and I don't know if you guys remember this, probably not because you're fucking children and I'm an old person. <laughs> but um, I... <laughs> I... Um, remember living in LA, working at the agency, and there were deadline articles constantly about this role. Who is going to get this role? Um, they tried to go to Natalie Portman and she turned it down. I remember mm-hmm. the big one was Scarlett Johansson, who apparently really came very close, Ugh. but ultimately Fincher was like, she's too hot. Like, she's just too, like, Right. She's too voluptuous. She looks like a, just a, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not how Lisbeth plays. She's and not, I, she doesn't look like a real movie. person. Well, Under Under the Skin is an amazing movie where she shows that she can go there. Mm-hmm. But, but she's, and she's, she's only just, 
she's she's an alien and it's and at the time in 2011 she's only just starting um to be black widow like this like iron right. man 2 is just coming out so i feel like right. she's starting something and you know this would kind of like she's, stop she's gotten her. there but yeah. it's taken a decade for her to get there basically yep. um so fincher i think reasonably was like i can see that you could do this at some point but i don't it just doesn't feel right no and then i guess jennifer lawrence was considered as well but like ultimately rooney was the mm -hmm. one because there was nothing he would suggest that she wasn't game for he was just I like have a few... we can't stump her yeah anyway. i have a few other names if yeah please, you please. know yeah. i got these from mdb credits so i guess like if like i didn't like go like confirming time. these if you know if they're sure. if they're just like fodder they're you know, i guess that it's the case mm -hmm. but evan rachel wood emma watson mia vashkaska uh lisa do sarah snook carrie mulligan jennifer lawrence sure. kira knightley Anne Hathaway, Eva Green, Elliot Page, Kirsten, Kristen Stewart. Sure. Um, yeah, just, just there's, like fascinating. There are, yeah. There's a Kristen Stewart version that I can 100% see. Totally. Um, Carrie and, and, to and, and Twilight hasn't finished at this point, which is like even right. more interesting. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's no question. I mean, obviously right now that we now see that Kristen Stewart's one of the best actors of her generation. Mm -hmm. um, it's a no-brainer. I think back then, obviously, it wasn't so much. Right, of course. Um, the Mia Wasikowska makes sense. I could see her physically. Totally. I could see her doing it. Um, well, so yes, that I is do. one that I kind of sort of maybe could see. Um, but, but There's one here that I forgot to mention that is yeah. crazy. Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> like, that is yeah. wild. Wow. Like, they are just well, like, let's see anybody who's available. Um, but Huh. Yeah, I think I think ultimately this is one of those things where um, not only was this supposed supposed to be the beginning of a franchise, so a lot of people wanted you know, the, the money, obviously the whatever, the Fincher coming off of, of Social Network, all of that. I understand why every young actress wanted this role. Right. I also understand why. Um, you would want to do it because it's a chameleon performance, right? right. It's something where like, I'm going to get to have a fucking mohawk. I'm going to get to have <laughs> tattoos all over me. I'm going to have piercings. But the problem the with thing. that is that on the wrong body, it's going to play as performative, Artificial. right? Like if it's Vanessa Hudgens, you're like, well, that's just Vanessa Hudgens acting like a guy, right. right? Like, whereas, which is why I think ultimately Fincher's decision to go with ultimately a no name for the most part was so vitally important right like i think that i think there's a jennifer lawrence version of this i'm sure that she probably could have done it she's a very talented it's actress. post winter's most, bone yeah like hunger games right. started at this point yeah yeah so like there's I believe a part so. of me where it's yeah, like you go matter. through yeah. that list and you're like yeah that list all makes sense i think natalie portman and i don't say this with any judgment but like i think she was probably too old for the role at that point right mm -hmm. she does look very young but still um I understand why they want Natalie Portman for it. She's a big name. I'm sure she would have been great. Like, I have no doubt that she would have it's been It's post-Black Swan, so, like, would have been interesting as, like, right. an Oscar follow-up. That Right. Yeah. I get all of that. Um, but I understand mm -hmm. she was exhausted at the time, and she was just like, I don't want to do it. And I get it. Rooney is just... It's, it, I mean, there's just a question that it had to be her now right. looking at it and just being like, this was mm -hmm. a just... I mean, she gets an Oscar nomination for it. I would argue she should have won the Oscar for that. No, she lost a Meryl um, for Iron Lady, especially so. Yeah, like like a reviled performance, yeah. A, by even Meryl standards. Meryl's <laughs> just like, I don't know. I, the, I, why'd you <laughs> give this to me? Um, so it's just, it's absurd. Um, yeah. Rooney is tremendous in this film. Um, mm -hmm. She goes all in. 
you know, she gets the the nipple ring. She gets that, like, she goes all in on all of this. And I think that that's part of why Fincher, I think, was so game for her, was that, like, he's talked about it in audition. He talked about the various hoops she had to jump through in order to get the role. There was just nothing she wasn't game to do. Yeah. Like, she was just ready to become this person, you know. It's, so yeah. there was there was something that that I found very interesting in watching this nearly I didn't get through all of it I wish I did but there's this normally four hour uh, behind the scene yeah. documentary on YouTube nice. yeah you must know the one um, so it's it's really fantastic uh, then there's also one on the social network so I'm pretty it's pretty cool that they're so accessible and there's this phone call that Fincher made tomorrow and he's like listen you got to worry about typecasting typecasting is what I'm worried about and like you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vivian Lee was so great and Stuart Cardin desired her and things about us as, as that part. And, and like, he was naming all these things, like you're going to be, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, wow. You, it almost feels like he is becoming one of his own protagonists. Cause like, so I went to David's office, I think around eight thirty or nine o'clock and he starts rambling on as David does. And he's asking me sort of about how I respond to hearing things. And I didn't understand like what he was getting at. And then he goes into this long thing about all the terrible things that would come out of playing this part for whoever played the part. He's going on and on and how, about how it would, you know, change your life and not necessarily for the better, you know, for all the, the shit that comes along with playing a part like this. And he goes on about, you know, Vivian Lee was incredible in A Streetcar Named Desire, but she will always be Scarlett O'Hara. And if you do this right, whoever does this, if they do it right, they will be, you know, Ginger from Gilligan's Island. And he's just going on and on about, you know, basically all the reasons why someone shouldn't play the part. And then he pulls out his iPad and he hands it to me. And, and I look at it and it's a press release that says that I have the part. And he's like, I'm willing and prepared to send that out at 10 o'clock. You have a half an hour to decide whether or not you want me to. I just sort of looked at it. I really, I didn't even flinch. I just looked at it and I was like, you can send it out whenever you want. I've had two and a half months to think about all the things that you just said. And I actually have thought about all the things you just said. I have considered them. I haven't just gone into this, you know, not knowing those things and you can send it out. You are, he's, he makes movies about obsessives, right? Journalists, reporters, detectives, you know, it's just like people who just like are fixation, have fixations and like, it feels like Psychopath. from the, the psychopath. And it feels like from that documentary, um, he's he really loves these books. And he really him and Zalian. It, honestly, mm -hmm. he loves. The, it feels like he loves these more than Zalian because like he was so Zalian. determined. On, on, yeah, yeah Zalian feels like he's almost like brought in more than Fincher was brought he's in. But higher a little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, but with Mara, he was, he was just, and I think Mara also shared the sentiment that they were like, I just didn't think I was right. And then once Mara saw people like Natalie Portman audition and uh, report that they were up for it, she's like, maybe I could do it if they could. I think that, you know, what's interesting about the character of Lisbeth Slander, who I fucking adore more than anything she's an enormous touchstone for delia graves on this project that i'm writing right now um she's just the fucking coolest person she gives zero fucks about anybody she just wants to to protect and fight for people that have been screwed over for lack yeah. of a better way of putting it um you know she is just tremendous but also 
this is not the type of role that comes around very often. And I think that what Fincher sees in in this role and in this movie is an opportunity for him to elevate this type of quote-unquote superhero protagonist heroine and make her, you know, um, make her his own. I mean, I think about the fact that you know, part of the Rooney Mara thing too is, and I'm sure you guys remember this around the time, but she did a fuck ton of photo shoots for this <laughs> for this role, right? I mean, she was in every fashion magazine. He was determined to make Elizabeth Salander's fashion, her taste in clothes, her taste in accoutrement, <laughs> all of it, to make that the black eyeshadow, the all yeah, like it. you say, the mohawk, yeah, yeah. He just he wanted this, and I love him for it, but he really wanted to try to make this breakthrough. And and one of the most sort of, I would say, I don't want to say depressing, but one of the sadder things about the way that this film was embraced and not embraced to me is that we didn't get not just two more movies, but that we didn't get Lisbeth Salander to be kind of put on that fucking pedestal that she deserves to be put on of like one of the great heroines. She should be a fucking Ellen Ripley, right? Like she mm. should be something like that. And unfortunately, we didn't totally get that. Um it's a it's a it's obviously a beloved performance it's obviously a movie that people talk about but they don't talk about it enough and you know sony obviously tried to fucking reboot it with that shitty claire foy movie and you know that didn't work and now it's sort of relegated to maybe they'll do a television show someday or some shit like that yeah of course because like this can only this would be a tv show now i I suppose my hopeful i don't want to get you guys' hopes too high up but my hopeful (laughs) idea of how they can still make these sequels of fincher Oh, okay. Do you know people? <laughs> no, yeah, I know people. Uh, <laughs> so the, last movie, the last movie bombed. They put it, you know, so that was their, like, that was their, like, you know, throwing. To it be clear, I wouldn't say, I mean, like we've said before, I wouldn't say bombed, but no, no, also no, no, it just wasn't. Spiderweb. Spiderweb oh, oh, oh. bombed. Spiderweb oh, Okay. Yes. Yep, Spiderweb, yep. like, yeah. yeah. Really, like, made 12 or 14 or something, like, one and a half. Um, black I'm looking hats. it up right now. I think it was. Uh... Yeah, budget of forty three and it made thirty five. Oh, yeah, it was it was like a like a fall release. Like it was just like double double the budget with marketing, and it's just not good. Um, Yep. So you know, it was one of those things where they just like, all right, I guess we can just make one. I mean, we haven't done something with this property in a while. It's been long enough. We can't make it with venture. We'll just make something. They made it. It bombed. So now they have this property they don't probably know what to do with. Um, And I just so. David Fincher's next movie is with Netflix, uh, obviously, uh, The Killer. The Killer, that has got um, production. So him, he and, him and Netflix are pretty tight right now. I mean, it's hard to see another studio prying him away. Um, uh-huh. So the property is not really prof- profitable right now by Sony. Netflix yeah. buys the rights. You think he's going to make a Netflix? He's going to make Netflix, Netflix buys the rights. They don't care about spending money to make him happy and he gets to make his sequels and they spend as much money as he wants. I mean, I do think that the the question ultimately I think is and I like where your head's at, Clay. Uh don't I, I like that you prefaced it by saying not to give me too much hope because yeah. I obviously I put a lot of stock in your sway in Hollywood. Um but I <laughs> But I, I do think you make an interesting point. This is the problem with your theory. Ultimately, it just comes down to rights. Uh, I don't know what the book rights are. I don't know where all of the rights stand. And um, I, I think that the clock is ticking to some degree on um, getting Rooney and Daniel Craig 
to do it again. Right. Um, I bet they would if Fincher, you know, obviously calls them up and says, "Hey, let's do this." And it, listen, it's certainly possible. Um, and and what you're saying makes more sense than certainly any version I've heard since. Um, the question really just comes down to: Is Fincher moved on? Is That's the issue. Is he just creatively and, and, removed? Is you he know, stopped? Rooney and yeah. And Daniel said, like, we'll only do it if... And, and they were very clear about that, which is... Because there was a moment when they were approached right. to do the next two films with a different filmmaker. And they were like, we're not going to do it without Fincher. And that's why, for all intents and purposes, those two sequels died. Um, you know, which which I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with. Right. Um, I don't really want it from anybody else. So I, I'm, I'm sort of like, it is what it is. But Yeah, because like if, uh, if it was Craig Mara... Uh, directed by Fede Alvarez. Like, would we want that? <laughs> well, that's, no. I mean, and that's what was being essentially pitched to them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like it was, you know, and I mean, listen, I, I can't, I can't say whether or not, um, uh, you know, two and three, you know, girl who played with fire and girl who kicked the hornet's nest being directed by him with the two of them um, would have sucked. You know what I mean? Like, I right. do think that so much of, these films is that chemistry between Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. So it's possible that I could have just rode that through the next two films and I would have been okay and just satisfied that I got the two movies. Right. Um, but you know, I, I, I think that, I, I think that Lisbeth Salander is one of the great female heroines. Um, and I, and it, it bums me out that she doesn't get her due. Yeah. She should have been yeah, a pop it's, culture it's, like it's, icon. Like she should have had sure. like, yeah. cosplay till the death of time like yeah like, absolutely truly like one like you said comparing Ellen. this to Ellen Ripley is a really good spot because right. it's like this isn't a superhero this isn't like an assassin I guess it's yeah. it's, it's not like she has um like a, any iconic lo- it's it's just like an iconic yeah. look and for and as a compliment there's a lot of wish fulfillment that comes with Elizabeth um in a way that almost like watching a criminal on screen, there's a lush fulfillment, right? Because it's like you want the people who Elizabeth is dealing with to find justice, and like you want to do the things that you couldn't normally do, like as as an audience viewer. Um, I suppose you like kill the serial killer. there's you want you want to kill the serial killer, yeah, because like that's yeah. that that is that's the vengeance that that feels because um, she's not she's a broken person, but it doesn't feel like she's like emotionally wallowing. Like she's not like no. there's nothing about her that feels like completely unstable she's not she's not not erratic right um uh you know i just she's methodical she's methodical yeah she's very i mean again this comes back to sort of her being you know most likely on the spectrum to some degree or another um you know i think that there is this um she she has this uh empathy inside her obviously but it's also just um, not wanting to see people go through what she went through. Um, she's trying to protect people from, you know, from, from the various horrible things that have happened to her. Um, you know, she, she's, yeah, she's, I, I don't know what the best way to, to, she's an Avenger in her own way. She's avenging other people. <laughs> she's an avenging horrible angel. things. Like yeah, someone sure. who's I, like I think that pure. Vengeance. Yeah, totally. I think yeah. she's also just, um, you know, she doesn't, 
I, she doesn't have any superpowers, which is sort of something that you just that you mentioned, Jack, that I think is great. You know, it's funny. I I was rewatching Jessica Jones the other night again as inspiration for Delia, and I loved that first season of Jessica Jones. I think so it's a good. great show. So good. Um, and I, I do love the way they play her strength, her physical strength, um, being it's kind of tossed away and thrown away. And it's not really they don't really kind of lean into it until relatively deep into season one. She'll like mm. open a door that's locked you know, just by breaking it open. Yeah. Just like kind of <laughs> little things here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of similarities between Jessica Jones and Elizabeth Salander. And I think that Jessica Jones is the more sort of like straight up comic booky version right. of <laughs> uh of lisbeth um you know the, the ptsd of it the the abuse that she went through right. various things that's holy going shit on. i didn't think about that um so there, there are similarities there but i do think that uh that that lisbeth is there's just something a lot more raw about lisbeth yeah. um th- there's something very sort of um i don't know i i i i, I think about her entrance in this film it's <laughs> so good it's just, it's fucking amazing. It's like basically, yeah. as any actor can attest, there is nothing better than people talking about you before you enter the fucking frame. And right? I'm sure that's like, that's like a, a, dream. A, a, a dream for a screenwriter. Uh, right. I, I'd imagine as well. How do I set up and play up the entrance of this mind-bogglingly awesome fucking character, right? And the best way to do that is to have Goran Visnich basically be like, <laughs> everyone fucking hates this person. Yeah. She's brilliant. We prefer if she works from eye. home. <laughs> she works from home. I don't even know if she's going to show up. Like, just, it, it, it's it's the perfect... He just rolls out the red carpet of build-up. But it's so not that... expository. It's not like, no. this is her life no. story. This is like, so you're going to meet her. This is kind of what yeah. you need to know before this business right. meeting. And it's going to be right. fucking weird. It's going to be weird. Your first, the first time you see her really um, is a, a shot of the back of her where she like snorts like snot and rubs it off of her nose. At first I thought and, it was cooking. this giant mohawk. Mm. <laughs> and like the first time it's so like all these shots are from behind, behind, behind. Then you see her for the first time straight up and it's Goran being like motioning her to come into this conference room. Um, she's immediately like her, her, Obviously, her aesthetic. This is her at her most Elizabeth Salander in this first shot, right? right? She doesn't really have a mohawk much in the movie after this, but she's got the crazy mohawk. She comes in riding a motorbike. She's wearing this black leather outfit. She gives zero fucks about what anybody has to say. Um, you're just like, yeah, I'll watch this person do fucking anything. Like, I'm just, I'm totally in. Yeah. And, and you know, like, it's so startling the juxtaposition. Like, like the mundane like workplace environment uh and everyone's in like business wear and like like the yes. the get up on that everyone ha- yeah. like she has and and like oh gosh yeah it's great um and it's so just... it's so flat uh in the swedish version like for pause she's like incredible like she's and also like kind of an unknown with this role um yeah she walks in and it's just like like it, I think they have like a little conversation about her, and then like she just appears. Like it's there isn't this build up, uh, but no, and, and you know it's just like I love also the ambiguity that come that comes with her in small details too, um, as along with a lot of the things that we know are definite with her. Like I noticed this time the uh, um, her accent that it almost feels like she's Swedish, and maybe that goes into this in the books that she's Swedish, but she almost like adopted an American accent 
that you can kind of hear a little bit of like yeah, the native accent that she just then learned American recently or something. But... Right. I, I mean, I, I do think that um, Numi's performance is different. Um, and it's not mm. bad different. It's just a different way in. I, I don't think that the director is um, is as interested in the iconography of Lisbeth Salander and right. everything that comes with her. Um, I, I think that, and, and part of that I imagine as a director is because he's trying to, maybe, I don't know if it's a fear thing, but like it takes a tremendous amount of confidence to do what Fincher is doing, right? Which is to exalt and love this hero and be like, look at how crazy and awesome and fucking rad this person is without making it seem as though you're fetishizing them. Right. And, that's, and that is the, the, the balancing act that Fincher pulls off in this movie and that it seems mm. like the director of the original films was trying to veer off of because of a fear of making it seem as though he was perhaps fetishizing her. It is kind of crazy to think like uh, Elizabeth Slander was somewhat, it was a, in a it's an adaptation of a, of a pre-existing character. This feels like a Fincher, like original creation, um, like through and through. Like um, She's already interested in some of the, the things finchers are interested in um and you you get that from the interviews of course i I think that um it's worth kind of talking about for a second the way that um that that mikhail and and lisbeth are on parallel storylines parallel plot lines um for 74 minutes of this film before they actually meet um the way that Mikkel is is straight up on the mystery. He is on the murder mystery storyline of what happened to Harriet, right? Was she murdered? The disappearance of Harriet, what have you. And then parallel to that is Lisbeth going through a fucking hellish emotional nightmare. Everything is going wrong for Lisbeth in her storyline, right? Which is she loses her guardian. He has a stroke. She's put under guardian of the fucking rapist, um, you know, monster uh, who won't let her control her own money, where she has to do sexual favors in order to get her mm. own money from him. I mean, it's just it's 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 absolute just it's it's a nightmare. Um, I bring this up just because the book alternates as well. Right. Like the book is cross cutting between the two of them. If I'm not mistaken, it's chapter to chapter until they eventually meet. Um I love that this film is, we talked about the crescendo and the sort of, you know, barreling towards each other of that sequence with Martin, but it's that's happening on a much grander macro level for the first over an hour of this movie. Um, so much so that you're just, you can't wait for these two fucking people to meet, not just because you, you, and I, and I don't want this to sound wrong, not because you want someone to save Lisbeth, because I don't think she needs to be saved necessarily, because I, she obviously <laughs> saves herself. I she has agency. We'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> she certainly has agency. Um, but you, you desperately want these two heroes from either side of this coin to come together to solve this greater mystery. It's almost, for me, it's like almost kind of simpler in the sense, I just want to see these two professionals do their job really well. Yeah, yeah. I love, I mean, you know, detectives, it's just, it's truly one of the great cinematic jobs in just every sense of the form. And what's eyes. awesome is like Mikkel and Elizabeth aren't detectives. And it's like, I right. love that they're doing the, detective the, works, but they're just, they're great at doing detective work. Investigating mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. I yeah. mean, it's 
really it's just it really just builds up like instantly just having the main character or your protagonist be have that role of being investigators almost like it almost like creates a movie on its in itself like it's almost you just need to know the mystery and you have these investigator and you have to figure out how they're going to figure this shit out um but the i go back to the you know like i pointed out one cross-cutting scene but like you said like the first hour is almost all cross-cutting no matter what how important the scene is or like even when he like when she's you know um fucking uh like hat uh, how do i say this she's doling out her vengeance on uh the person who raped her it even cross cuts during that fucking scene yep yep it's nuts it's i mean i I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, and it like was just going <laughs> so fucking fast. It could not yeah, stop yeah. cutting, in it, but in the perfect way because again, it's all propulsion. And even the most mundane scenes, like I said, like her drinking that coffee, it makes it feel like you're watching, like her running mm. away from an explosion. Um, it just, well, it, it's pure yeah. thrill. It's like the, it feels, if anyone it, ever yeah. wants to ask me what the fuck is a thriller. The girl with the dragon tattoo. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's thrilling. Every, yeah, it's, it's every thrilling. Thing you want from this genre. It's yeah, you know, right. Broken character. It feels like editing. Kind of find themselves. It feels like editing in this hellish um, world. Yeah, it, it feels like a, De Palma would do the same thing sometimes. Right. Well, it's it's also like I, I think about. I mean, we've talked about the editing and the cinematography in this film, but a sequence that is that is not showy or sexy, but that I love so fucking much, is. I think it's the first scene we have of her in her apartment alone. She opens a ramen. We see her put the ramen inside some, some water. She, we some see coke. the close-ups of the microwave. We see the close-ups of her opening the Coke. We see her fingers on the keys. The way she types, by the way, I'm just like, I wish I could type that <laughs> fucking well. Like, she's just like, it's, it's she's nuts. a fucking wizard. Yeah. yeah. And the way she's just like, this is her in her fucking zone. And her mm-hmm. zone is like eating shitty ramen in a barely lit apartment in front of a computer screen. And, and it's, it's just, that's, I, it's what you, it's, it's kind of what you said, Clay, which is you want to see people doing what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is, it's funny because I remember when I developed a show with CBS, that was their modus operandi. We want to see people being good at their jobs. And right. I think that that's just something that we love as just viewers, right? Which is we want to see people excelling at stuff but i love that to see her excel at something is is to see her basically just like you know wearing fingerless gloves and just typing away on a computer is just fucking rad right um i i want to talk about the the um uh the the, the guardian stuff mm-hmm. um because i think it's it, it needs to be to some degree unpacked i i think that she she goes to his office late at night asking for money after she gets almost mugged. I love the scene when the guy tries to seal her backpack and she just like kicks the shit out of him on the stairs and just grabs him and screams at his and face. Everyone's like, yeah, just runs off great with, her, screamer. with her computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but then her computer gets broken and, and she needs money to buy a new computer. He says, why do you need a computer that's so expensive? Long story short, he makes her perform oral sex on him um, in order to get the check for her to be able to buy the computer. Um, one of the things that I love, and it speaks to the score and the sound design, is that what's so there's so much on. We should say also scene. Oscar nominated sound design. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, the scene's so unnerving for obviously a myriad of reasons, but one of them is because the guy who's cleaning 
the floors yes. with like a floor cleaner. Hear, yeah. That's the only sound you can hear yeah. is this monotonous kind of drone of this machine that's outside, which doesn't sound all that dissimilar from the score, but is just sort of this this really sort of this sort of frightening repetition of this drone of this machine and that she cannot escape from is just and there's someone right outside someone who could stop this someone who could actually say this is fucking wrong like it's it's that like reminder of like ever it's just there's nothing how close these things are to being stopped yeah or not not like those things but like anything that's like uh any crime i suppose right uh, in in america I, i think that it's 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 a terrifying scene um it's it leads up to an even worse scene where unfortunately she's um sexually abused by him at his house mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the straw that breaks the camel's back with her right i mean she admittedly she she props up a camera uh on her on her um back she props up the the camera to record what's about to go on she obviously uses it to blackmail him later it's a terrible scene it's an awful scene it's a straw that breaks breaks the camel's back with her character obviously where she's like I'm not standing for this anymore. Um, uh, he's obviously crossed crossed a line. Um, she comes back to his apartment later with a taser and just tases him, ties him up, <laughs> rapes him with a metal dildo, um, and uh, and then tattoos "I'm a rapist pig" on his chest. Because um, she asks, she goes to the tattoo artist, and I, this is one of my favorite scenes too, yeah. where he's like, "This is really gonna hurt," and she just shrugs. Mm. She's like, uh, and then she asks him how much those things cost. So she does buy one of those tattoo things. Like so she 3, tattoos 000, this. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Mm, three she tattoos, tattoos I'm a rapist pig on his chest. Um, after one of the best, one of my favorite shots in the movie is her just looking straight down the barrel of the lens with this crazy smeared black makeup and says, I am insane. Yeah. It's just like, she's just, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it says that. that that's another, uh, that has, like, um, yeah. that's another point where it's like Fincher's having fun with Sony's money that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, she she you know she's gonna blackmail him, and that's that's the way of getting out of the kind of box that she was in with that character. And then obviously, uh, Mikkel and her collide when Mikkel wants to hire an assistant, and he finds out that the Vangers hired an, a, a researcher to look into him before they hired him. Blah blah blah. He sees that there's all of this. Um, information that she's become privy to by hacking into all of his computers and what have you and that's what kind of brings them together why so just to go back to the guardianship real quick i mean i, I feel like i could explain this to myself because it it's yeah. probably not that complicated but the idea that she's <laughs> so hesitant to say what her actual career is like it isn't like it obviously it's because she does something kind of illegal but it is interesting how she just doesn't even consider telling the truth about that yeah, I think that part of it is a she is obviously existing in a legal gray zone, right? Um, which she obviously knows about, and I don't think that she wants to out herself or anybody that she's working with. But I, I would also say too, um, I think she's just like less is more with this fucking guy. Like, right. there's not, she knows that there's nothing that she can say that's going to convince this guy Good point. to to change his ways. So she just has to fucking eat it. It also just shows it. her mistrust of this whole thing. Like she'll like she's talking men, about how basically. Well, Mr. Right. the men, but also this system, this idea of controlling her and the idea of how many times, how many things are on her record and how she's judged through that and how this state has basically labeled her as a lost cause, as a discarded piece of trash rather than an actual person. Um, and it's, 
I, I mean, yes. there's a lot of commentary to that as well. That's really intriguing. I mean, it's obviously just the institutional. I would also, I would also say too. I don't mean to cut you off, but I would also just say that um, I don't know that it's. I think part of it is that they see her as unfixable. They right. see her as a. They look at her like a, um, like a pit bull that can't be trained. Right. Right. So they're just like, you're dangerous to yourself, to mm -hmm. other people around you. We don't know what to do with you. Um, at the end of this film, there's a nice scene where, where, where Mikhail says, how does a 26 year old girl become a guardian of the state or 22 year old or how old she is. And she's like, um, because I tried to kill my father, which they get into in, um, in the next book. Um, and you see a brief moment of it. All the fire stuff in the credit sequence is because she sets her father on fire in the second book um, and, and almost kills him. Um, and he's a very powerful man. And that Craig's reaction is so funny of... to me. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's so I, funny, I, like, to think, like, how much they have to continue with the sequels. Yet this movie feels far from incomplete. It feels like such a well-rounded story and it like like we're saying like a perfect thriller um but it's yeah and like uh, there's characters that the movie will introduce but it just feels like a part of their world um just like any detective story would feel they're meeting uh an array of uh, array of characters uh like they don't feel like just wait till the next one it's just you know right 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 you know. no for sure i mean the only one that that is that that unfortunately is Joel Kinnaman, yeah, who signs up to be a basically a day player, and because his character's huge in the second it, and third books, so he's like, yeah. sure, I'll take the shitty role in the first one if it means I'm going to be big in two and three, and then he doesn't get two and three. What does he do in two uh, and so, three? Like, what's his? He just seems uh, so he's just much. So their investigation in the second book is about two. Um, it's a couple that's murdered, who I believe are reporters or something to that effect. Forgive me, I'm a little hazy on it, but. Um, he's working at Millennium, at, which is the magazine that right. Mikkel and Erica work at. And he is somehow involved in the conspiracy of what's going on with her father. And if I'm, again, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, no, but I think fine. he's involved okay. um, in the whole like conspiracy that's going on there. So, but his character <laughs> is significant in two and three. And, and unfortunately is, is, I think he literally has, it's kind of a line where he says to Erica, the phones for you or something he's like just yeah, a yeah, hulking yeah, yeah. mass he's just like there and it's yeah. like is that joel kinnaman it's one of those yeah. it's pretty crazy it's there's this uh john mulaney uh there's this john mulaney um joke about how uh i forget shit i've heard it, this is gonna i'm gonna butcher it but basically i think in like a uh law and order episode how dean kane was a guest star and how he mm -hmm. thought it'd be funny if someone was like is that is that dean kane <laughs> And I just want someone in the, like the press room who's like, is that, is that Joel Kinnaman? <laughs> just like, because he's so, he looks yeah. so different than everyone else. He's literally this like seven, six foot five, like hulking mass of just a man. And, right. and he's just like a, 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 towering over all these like little reporters. And it's just like, is that, is that Joel Kinnaman's there? Why? I do like, think there's Like imagine if Dave Bautista was in Gone Girl and it's just like right, he was not right, the right, he's not right, the name right. he is now or something like Is yeah. that Dave Bautista? No, it's 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 awesome. I you know, speaking of the casting, I, I'd say that first of all, I just want to exalt and, and speak to how much I love Robin Wright in this movie. Um I yeah. think she's always great, but this is not a showy role. This is not a sexy role. She's essentially playing like the other woman. Um, and uh, she does it so well. 
Um, she's really funny and droll in several of the lines she has in this film. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's really, really special. And it makes the ending feel less shitty first and foremost, because you're just like, well, at least, you know, he's leaving with Robin Wright and she's right. pretty rad. So like, whatever. But um, the other casting that I think is the only casting that I might've changed I don't have anything against Stellan Sarsgaard, but Stellan Sarsgaard is definitely your villain the second that you see him. Right. Um, there's really not a question. I don't know if you put that together, Clay, or not, but like it does feel as though you're like, this guy's suspicious. If nothing else, he's suspicious. And I'm I just like, I am. Did, I don't know what I, oh, okay. Oh, I'll tell you what I did. So for some reason, I, I thought I saw a video of, I don't know when, I assumed maybe during Christopher Plummer's death, that I thought I saw a video of the scene where Son Skarsgård says, like, isn't it funny how polite we are and how, like, yes. we use politeness in, like, in... Uh, we're so in, like, afraid to offend that we're, we're willing to put ourselves in danger. Exactly. Mm. I've never, like, I just tell people to come inside have a drink and they come anyways and it just yeah. always works. For some reason, uh, this is like a Mandela effect for me, I just thought that was Christopher Plummer saying it. I thought I got spoiled mm. on... Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I thought I saw there's yeah. this video. It must be completely different. I must have seen the Stalin Skarsgård video completely uh, dis uh, detached from Christopher Plummer's death. But I just, but so I just thought Christopher Plummer was the villain. And I was like, okay, how is this going to work? That's um, funny. But yeah, no. Okay, it, so you didn't put it together. No, I didn't because I just for some reason my tr my brain tricks me, which I'm kind of glad with. I'm like, oh, okay, I was wrong. I um, was thinking about I was thinking about this in my my rewatch. Uh, I. I, I agree that it is knowing the casting, but it, I mean, he's excellent in this. Uh, mm -hmm. Like it feels, it feels like a character. Act I don't know if we want to call scars card a character actor, but it's, it feels like a, a, a casting that is perfect for Fincher and um, has a sort of gravitas that, that, that the movie really benefits from. I think John this Carroll is Lynch and the, Zodiac. Yeah, exactly. I think this is, the first time I ever saw Stellan Skarsgård in it in anything. <laughs> as, um, really? I was thinking about yeah, because I I was just like kind of racking my brain, like, but yeah, no, this is my like. Maybe the, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm older than you guys, so for me, you know, Breaking the Waves and and Goodwill Hunting were, were yeah. the two films that I you know, which I saw after I saw this. him in early. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Stellan Skarsgård. I think he's a great yeah. actor. Um, I, I I think I just might have picked. Can you give us our Scar or Skarsgård power rankings? Go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Stellan's at the top. Yeah, Stellan's Stellan. at the top. Yeah, um, I mean, the dad. Alexander's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. coming. He's coming. He's coming. Bill is somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill's um, somewhere in there. I mean, listen, I'm excited for for Northman. It'll be yeah. interesting. But I, I, I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I do think that uh, you could have gone with somebody else, right? For Stellan, that was a little less intimidating, a little less. Stellan Sarsgaard so that it wouldn't have felt as kind of the reveal wouldn't have felt maybe as on the nose um, talking about casting as well Ma Max von Sydow was supposed to be the role that yes. Christopher Plummer yeah. played but he was too sick at the time to be able to do oh, it that makes Christopher sense. Plummer stepped in yeah. um, Christopher Plummer who's very very good in this film obviously him and Daniel Craig <laughs> will cross paths again for, for <laughs> Knives Out although they don't have any scenes together but yeah yeah, and I, I think one way to look at Skarsgaard is like not if it'll be revealed that he has a bigger role than we're being led on to, but it's almost like, when are we going to get the reveal, right? It's sort of the tension that's, um, that like, you know, 
the bomb is shown to us. It's not under the desk or something like that. Uh, right. Like we know we're we're, like, we aren't, it's not told to us. There's no dramatic irony. Like it's not like it's told to us and not to Mikkel, but it's, but it's like, we have such, I mean, I think audiences have an intelligence to infer things that, um, maybe the movie doesn't know we can infer sometimes. And like, you know, that's a perfect example that, Scar's guard is uh yeah i mean the books were big too like i'm sure on some level exactly just like yeah. a lot of people read this fucking book anyway so they know who the killer is mm-hmm. i do love that in the first scene we have in martin's house um great house, know, when, when he closes great the house. door because yeah the, wonderful part production design yeah yeah there's there's wind blowing so he closes the door but it's actually someone screaming from mm. from down in the basement holy um, shit wait what yeah yeah if you listen to yeah. it it's actually you can hear i mean it the, didn't sound like wind so i was like what the fuck is that but you if you listen <laughs> to it it sounds like the sound design is a combination of wind and her screaming Holy so God. like you can if you listen to it it's it's very eerie to listen to now david you tricky um, motherfucker. yeah it's it's good shit. i mean <laughs> yeah. it's terrifying it's, it's incredible um, i i so after he gets shot Mikhail gets shot, not shot, but like grazed, right? Mm. And he runs back to the house. Um, and again, like I can literally hear the score right now of like him running and her setting up all the cameras. Cross, and cut, then he cross, bursts cut. in and he's bleeding and he's like, This is fucking madness, like what the fuck is going on? Um, and he's like, Is that dental floss? And she's about to <laughs> sew up his wound, and he's like, You're gonna sterilize that, right? And the look on her face, she's so fucking put out right, that she right. has to go get some vodka or bring it. Like she's just like, stop being such a pussy. And just pours and she just pours it on his yeah. head. She just like, throws it on his face. Yeah. It's great. It's just great. And and the way he's sitting in the bathtub, his legs are dangling. Like he's not even sitting properly in it. He's sitting like over the mm-hmm. edge of it. It's great. Um, they obviously have sex after that um it's a great sex scene one of the best if, and fincher doesn't generally have a lot of sex scenes in his movies quite honestly this is one of the most like and again not to not just not to belabor this point but this is also part of his depiction of lisbeth salander right which is this is sexy this person doesn't look like the way that you generally right you know whatever people's fears of people with piercings and tattoos and whatever he's just like look at this beautiful woman look at these two beautiful people and it's it's about sort of breaking these kind of barriers and molds of what we think aesthetics are supposed to be what gender roles are supposed to be the journalist and the hacker shouldn't be having an affair yeah it's just like (laughs) yeah but i just mean i I suppose like it works the movie's benefit that they're also an odd duo that like what that they need each other right that's yeah right but it's also i i i I just i want to just unpack this just very quickly and just to say that like sexual dynamics in movies tend to be done in a very specific way very male gazy very sort of you know men being in the power position he is she is completely running the fucking table on this right she's the one that's just like lay down shut up let's just do this it's gonna be fine and him just sort of being like okay i guess let's sure fine then later when they're in bed together where she's like put your hand back up my shirt or when she's having sex with him and and he's and she's like just be quiet for a second so that she can have an orgasm before they continue their conversation like she is the one in control of these sexual dynamics which i think is incredibly important right. and something that we don't see enough of um but but what fincher's I do smart, the next smart morning, for, yeah. yeah yeah no fincher is just smarter than than to be all male gazy and and sort of like a right. sex, sexualized uh, elizabeth because it's like 
you feel as though she wants to take the role of the guardian and like when this sexual experience that we see earlier in the movie yeah. uh that we want she wants like control now she wants to to feel as though um yeah and yeah. and just to be clear i think he thinks she's beautiful right like mm. I, I think that to some degree he's still shooting her in a very sort of positive light i don't i don't think that I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive is kind of what I'm getting at, right? right? Like, I think that there's a world where both these things can exist, where he can be shooting this scene in a way that is, uh, you know, uh, titillating and erotic, and yet at the same time show her being the alpha in the situation and the eroticism of that, you know, and what what comes with all of that. I just, I, I think that, that it's, I just think it's an important thing to to highlight because I think that it's, it's, uh, it's in the DNA of this character. It's in the DNA of why he loves her so much as a heroine. It's why it's so important that this role exists and that this role be be done in the way that it's done. Um, so I just wanted to say that. Yeah, that's for sure. Just to speak about her sexuality for one quick second. It's also yeah. like her, and her having... sexual fluidity as well. Which right, is exactly. She's, she's she has sex with men and women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, but it also doesn't show that her having sex with him is anything like special it's not like this groundbreaking romantic moment it's like yeah. more physical attraction because she has a one night stand like the moment she meets him uh with uh yeah. speaking yeah. of jessica jones the actress who has like one line played electra in the daredevil netflix series uh i think she's really good i like her I yeah. wish she she's really good stuff. i mean i i think that's i think that's a really good point um i think that to her sex is not the end all and be all no. that being said if I have one little bump about the very end of the film, not to keep jumping around, is that it seems a little out of character for Lisbeth to react the way she reacts at the end of the film by throwing away the leather jacket right. and by feeling so sort of jilted. That doesn't really jive with Lisbeth's character completely. Um, what does work is that she's like, fuck all people, and fuck right. men and whatever. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah, yeah. But, but the I one relationship with a man I ever like trusted is now, or it, right. it's not like he it's not like he abandons Elizabeth. It's more just like, no, I have, I have like a romantic partner that I'm, and he never was that like, I was you're going to be my, you're my one true love. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's still like shitty. And I still like, I, in that yeah. scene, you kind of hate him for it, but it's not one of those things where you're just, yeah. you're not surprised. You're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Cause they don't have a moment where it's like, when all this is over, we're going to run away and we're going right, to like right. be free from all this. And, yeah. Right. But I do think that, um, I agree with what you're saying, Clay, that, that it's not like he says, hey, are we going steady now or gives her a pin or something like that. Like, I agree with you that that never transpires. But at the end of the film, after she becomes um, <laughs> a fucking spy for 20 minutes, and it's awesome, um, to, in order to, to, to get back at, yeah. uh, at uh, Wienerstrom, um, she meets him outside, right? And she's smoking a cigarette and she offers him one and he says, I quit, which is a, you know, a way of saying like this that what we were doing might not be happening. And of anymore. course, like with Erica looking above uh, the, right, the right. building. Yeah. And Lisbeth, and he says to her, you look really beautiful. That's a big thing where she's like, well, like he's kind of giving her mixed messages. And I think that that's part of why she's unsure what to kind of make of that. And the way she, she says, I'll see you soon. And she walks away. And then by blowing the smoke out of her mouth, it gives her an opportunity to be able to look back at him for a quick second. So like, there's a lot of, it's a very charged scene that feels like it's bordering on romantic. So it's understandable why she might have drawn the conclusions that she drew. And yet at the same time, 
there's also signals there that say like this isn't happening anymore right so like it's 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 a weird thing but the next morning after they have sex and she's in the kitchen she's made breakfast she's sitting on the counter with her foot in the sink for reasons that i'm still not into but it just looks awesome because she's just like whatever she's eating toast her hair looks like just all messy and crazy and they have one of my favorite lines where where she says i like working with you and he's like i like working with you too (laughs) like it's just there, there's it's just a really cute kind of acknowledgement of that they like each other and, that back and forth and kind of felt stuff. like it was from another movie for like a yes. second <laughs> yeah but they also have working chemistry 100%. like back to the idea like, yeah. like the reason why i was so excited for them to meet in the like you know felt like a fucking like a fucking avengers moment or whatever it's like <laughs> it like just them meeting together i was just like um i i i i think what was I trying? To... Oh, sorry. Um, but what I'm trying to say is like their working chemistry is yeah. so fucking engaging. Just the way they work with each other, like on a professional level. So like the idea, I like working with you too. Yes, it's a funny moment. It's like a f- fun line because it's obviously you know tongue in cheek, but it's also like they're really good together. How they work, how they investigate, how yeah. their different methodologies converge, and she also respects him. Which is something that is a huge, it's huge. She doesn't respect many people. She doesn't respect. She doesn't really think too many. I don't know. If she re- she may respect herself. You know, it's just like maybe right. That's the only, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she respects him when he does. Like she, there's moments where she's like, "That's really cool what you did there." Like every exactly. now and then, she'll be like, "It's cool how you made that that connection." But like <clears throat> the first night that they spend together at the at the cabin, and they're sitting outside and they're smoking together mm-hmm. and they're putting together the the biblical names. And they're working out sort of that that these names are, are you know, from Bible verses and what have you, um, is a great moment where, to your point, Clay, you're starting to see this this clicking. These two brains work really well together, and that they 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 compensate for each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, there's also a moment, um, I think it's like it's like midway through the film where um, where they're walking down the street together. It's a wide shot. You can see them both just like, they're just both walking towards camera. Um, it's before they go their separate ways where he goes investigating one way and she goes investigating another. And they're just kind of walking towards camera. And you're just kind of like, these two motherfuckers are awesome and weirdos. Right. <laughs> like you're just like, these two fucking weirdos make total sense together. <laughs> and I want to see their adventures. For sure. And yeah. and that's just kind of, that's-, that's I had the thought cool. that it's almost as if uh robert graysmith joan hall from zodiac had a partner and it wasn't (laughs) like he was this fucking dork who couldn't stop thinking about the zodiac killer and drove away like chloe savigny from this marriage and this family um you know because you know the reason why that movie's so brilliant is like that's like modern true crime fandom freaks or it's just like that's all they can think of it's like some murder that was like some odd years ago and uh well i i think that to that point you know you're you're highlighting another big part of of fincher's uh excuse me filmography is he loves a fucking investigation he loves people that are sitting down fucking using their brains Mm -hmm. and digging into stuff he's one of the few filmmakers i can think of that can actually make something that is quite um generally unengaging which is people in front of computers people in front of you know books people can make an investigation look fucking fascinating it is thrilling to watch him film 
the social network where a guy's blogging. He can make <laughs> blogging look exciting, right? Or he can, you know, one of my favorite sequences in Seven is when, uh, is when, oh my God, why am I drawing up? Uh, Somerset goes to the library and photocopies all those books mm. in order to give love uh, a library. Scene. Just, it's, who doesn't? It's <laughs> and very similar, you know. Now that you bring up that Seven scene, like the Somerset and Lisbeth like in staying overnight and like sort of like the clerk being like, I got to lock up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very, he just, he loves people. He loves people that are good at their job. He loves people that are just like with their fucking nose in a book or sitting at a computer. I mean, nothing is more exciting to him. And yet at the same time, generally speaking, people can't film that for shit because it's always really unengaging to watch. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Zodiac, which is another, obviously an example of just, you know, it's meticulous, right? It's his. It's it's his version of all the president's men. I right? think it's, it's his like longest movie people... too. So it's like you know, pretty. I think it's his longest indulgent. Movie. Yeah, in the yeah. It's but but then you look at Manhunter, right? Like this mm. guy is obsessed with obsessive Mindhunter, right? like just, just not. It's to... Mindhunter. Sorry, Mindhunter. Yeah, no. My apologies. Different. Very different. Um, it is very different. Um, but but he's obsessed with obsessives, and you've said it right, which is he recognizes it in himself. And he likes to make movies about people that are equally as obsessed with right. Yeah. And I um, wonder if it goes back to his commercial break, his commercial background, um, sure. Sure. that it's almost like, you know, that I think about the Heineken commercial with Brad Pitt, where it's like, you know, this, this guy in a big city, like goes to like get a pack of Heineken from a fridge, like pulls it out and like drinks or something like that. And it's like, it's all in a rush. That shouldn't be as good as it is. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that shouldn't be like as, I mean, sure, David Fincher directed it and it's like, that's why it's iconic, but it's like, it's still very, very well made. Um, we bring up the scene earlier, uh, when we first see Lisbeth in her apartment. That is to me, we're, we're kind of like describing David Fincher Mad Libs. You know, it's just like someone <laughs> opening a computer, like it's a post social network, uh, film. So it's like, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> like where they're she's like so engaged into the laptop and like there's brands everywhere and not to say like that's a good you know you can debate like like uh uh brand awareness in film but it's like yeah probably yeah yeah but it's like i suppose like that's fincher's thing where it's just like they're the, it's all consuming that like these things are just like things people use and like characters like Mikel and elizabeth aren't dissimilar from people who who just like use these things regularly um, well, you know, to that yeah, point, yeah, you know, right. you talk about product placement. There, there is product placement in this film. Obviously, I mean, we mentioned it earlier. There's the Apple computers that Lisbeth uses and what have you. Not Sony, um, but not Sony. No, but but you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't. He gotta gotta highlight those Happy Meals yes, that he's eating yes, as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, when are we gonna talk about it? Because it's such a strange fucking choice. It's so fucking bizarre. Of, like just a random grown woman eating Happy Meals, and it's never explained. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> It's one of those fucking it's things. Just, it's just—it's. Oh, I have that written down too. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's just—it's uh, one yeah. of those things where you're just like, sure, I guess. I don't know. It's a little bit of like the innocence thing. Like she has an, ex- yes. I suppose. Like you could read into it. Like, childhood. yeah, childhood yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she also has yeah, like a very specific no, lifestyle. Like the whole thing yes. about like her fridge being bare. It's like she eats like five things sometimes. <laughs> it's yeah. mostly yeah. ramen. She drinks one thing and that's Coke. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, it's, there's yeah. all, that's another product placement, but it's like, she had these very specific lifestyle choices and again, obsessive and maybe on the spectrum, but it's also those things where she's so confident in her, in who she is in a sense and what she's mm-hmm. about and how she lives her life. Um, that it's just, I don't know, it's like those details. I mean, it's one of those things like 
attention to detail is so fucking important in these kind of movies. Um, and just to get back to the quick thing about like yeah. how he can make someone reading a book or going through records or whatever so exciting. It's like, it is kind of crazy when you think about it. Those scenes are more exciting than most modern blockbusters. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, having written on, a, on obviously a few shows now, you know, the, the worst thing you can do, and there's an inevitability to it, but like you have to have your character sitting in front of a computer. They have to be using cell phones. Like these are things that, that they are, have to look at things in Wikipedia and like Google things, right? right. It's just like, there's yeah. just, you can't, there's, you can't get around it. Um, and so, so on some level you're, you're burdened by it, but, but if you get a good director, if you're lucky enough that you, you know, that you're able to do it in a way that feels organic and you can kind of burn through it pretty quickly, but Fincher wraps his arms around it. He's just like, how do I make this as interesting as is humanly possible? Even if it is mundane, how do I, how do I take a thing that feels sort of whatever and make it special? I think about it's, it's a throwaway moment in the film. But there's a moment when Daniel Craig catches a water bottle off of the top of the fridge, and then he like mm -hmm. puts it back on the top of the fridge. And that was just a thing that Daniel Craig did because he I saw the gonna... bottle falling yeah. and he just did it. And Finch was like, I love that. That feels real. That right. feels like a thing. So like he's just similar to Kubrick, and I know he's been compared just based mm -hmm. on the amount of takes that they do. But like what Kubrick and Fincher are both looking for is the moment when it doesn't look like a like a line where it doesn't look like I'm filming two people doing a thing. Yeah. They're waiting for the scene to break down to such a place so that the actors just feel like it's just second nature. It's not an actor and acting exercise anymore. It's like, just like, Oh, exactly. I'm saying these things. Yeah. So, but like when he sees Daniel Craig do that thing, he's like, that's it. Like, that's a thing. I just caught on film a moment of genuine, like whatever. So like th that's the stuff that's really, I also think that, you know, Fincher talked about this when this film came out. He's like, "Listen, I, I've made a lot of films about what people do in in basements," um, <laughs> and 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 he knows that. Um, but the way that he depicts this, like when Martin gets Mikhail, right, and you have that, oh, we're getting into the torture. When, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he walks into the torture room, he sees everything, but only for like a second before before Martin puts on the mask, gasses him. And then you've got this moment where he's basically pulled off the ground, like into this weird position where like his chest is out and he's kind of, it's it, it, like an animal that's being strapped mm. up to be slaughtered essentially. And um, goes back to the hunting thing. Like they, we should go hunting later on. Right. Like he invites right. him. Uh, and I just and love Martin that moment to too. Him, like, Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And Martin says, uh, why didn't you just go home? And he goes, may I? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Line. Cause like, looking great. you know, like a as smart Bond line kind of, yeah. 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 And, and you know, it kind of calls back to like the great, um, torture in Casino Royale, no. you know, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean like there's, there's that moment too, when, uh, he hands him his, his glass of like uh brandy or something and he's just like you drop this <laughs> it's like okay yeah. he's like holding well, it yeah, yeah it's, well that's, a, yeah, that's such a weird yeah, fucking yeah. thing where he's like you dropped your glass it's like his hands he's fucking hands you can't drink it like yeah. what are you giving it to him to hold on to it's very strange yeah there, there's bizarre there's villain something about, he is a kind of bizarre villain so the the needle drop in this scene <laughs> which is enya's 
or Which, Rocco in, Flow. In in the way that Clay did not pick up on Scar Scarsgard in a sense, like I forgot about this. Like I knew I knew the scene was coming. I knew how cool it was, yeah. or how cool yeah, it was. It's like sure. how how like arresting it is, but like oh my god, like the needle drop. I was like I know there's. I didn't I didn't like know if it was silence or not but it's like yeah it's after rad I, and silence like, for a good chunk the fact that like he puts he it on the ipod and then, yeah. yeah where it's just like <laughs> 2011 to, to yeah, yeah. degree i was on well, it and you know that that i don't know if you read that that was daniel craig's idea so for basically Anya? they were sitting, i did yeah for Anya, yeah they were sitting there and they and they were like wondering aloud like what music should we play and daniel craig's like Anya. That's yeah. And they were like, okay. Wait I said second. earlier that there was. And then like, he presses play. Yeah. And they all start laughing and like, we have to do this. Yeah. I because that's so totally said, Fincher's sense of humor too. And I said earlier that there's like three cool things about Jan or, or two cool things about Daniel Craig: the where he the way he wears glasses and that he's Rachel, uh, that he's married to Rachel Weisz. Uh, mm -hmm. This is the third thing that he yeah. chose Enya <laughs> during the torture scene. That's a really yeah. Cool. And like the sixth or seventh is being James Bond. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, way yeah, down. Yeah. There. I, it's a great scene. It's a great scene for a bunch of reasons. I love not just the interrogation component of it of Martin kind of being like, "Dude, uh, what's you know? I know you're lying. What's the real? Tell me everything you know of it all." But also just like the way that Martin grapples with it being a man. When he's like, I've never had a man down here before. Hmm. Um, I've never touched you know, a man. And the way he, he approaches him with the knife, right. where like he kind of touches his chest. And ripping off the clothes, yeah, yeah. Ripping off the clothes, he puts the fucking bag on it's his head. It's in some cases. It's it like, is. Especially ripping well, off the clothes. It definitely is with the women, for sure. Well, yeah, so but he it's, doesn't but know. Like... He's, but like, I think that like him saying, I've never touched a man before, like he's legitimately confused because he also said, I have a hard on right now. Like, not so, not like, like five minutes before not for he's like, he has like a huge boner and it's like, okay, yeah. uh, all right, I understand. Yeah. But then it's like, and you think it's just because, or at the moment, you just think it's because he's like fucking crazy. But also yeah. like, you don't under, like, you don't think about, oh, he could maybe possibly be sexually confused. It's like, it's really, it's really interesting yeah. stuff. Well, cause he's definitely, he, and by he, I mean, Martin has sort of, um, he's confounded this. He's kind of, he's, there's this confluence of, of sex and, and, and murder right in his head that he doesn't understand how to separate essentially so like mixed into that now there's like this gender thing that he doesn't really know how to how to process um they put the bag on daniel craig's head and he did lose consciousness at one point shooting it um because david you know you, you, you can't breathe when you have a bag Jesus. on your head but um the it's a it's a really horrifying the shot the shot of just his head and he's sucking in mm. the bag into his mouth and then the reverse pov of being inside the bag and just seeing what the world looks like from inside this bag it's really really upsetting um, in those scenes when people like there's a lot of scenes in movies where you have like a paper or not uh, like a plastic bag over your head i always it always even though i've seen that scene like, i don't know how many fucking times but like when you see it, you're just like, oh, yeah, they don't look like that person anymore. It's fucking creepy. That doesn't it's look really like scary. Daniel Craig anymore. It's like a different person because it's just all distorted because of, like, just the way it's all reflecting, I guess. Or I don't know. It's just it's so, like, oh, my God, it's a different it's really, person. It's yeah. really upsetting. And maybe this is reading it's, too it's much also, into it, but it's also, like, the way the basement is lit, too. Like, it's, mm -hmm, it's like, yeah. a very hazy sort of, like, 
Uh, you can't read too much bulb. into Fincher films. He, he like it's one of those things where it's like it's that's all true. fucking so purposeful. There's a lot mm-hmm. of power yeah. tools down there. Like that's true. A lot of power tools. Um, it's, <laughs> it, so originally it was cellophane. Uh, they wrapped his head in cellophane, and that was, I, I th- from what I read, it seemed as though it just it was too hard to to deal with. Like I think that when Elizabeth comes down to tear it off, like it just the, the bag just worked better. Um, but the moment when Lisbeth comes down and clocks Martin with the um, the golf club, his face is so fucked. Like she, hits you can his, hear the teeth like, break out of his mouth. Yeah, it's crazy. yeah, and like his it's jaw is like dislocated. It's like yeah, like it's fucked. His whole face is fucked. Mm. Um, and that's when she obviously says, you know, may I kill him? We talked about that. But we then get a great fucking car chase. This is the thing, too, where, like, there's things about Fincher that we... And I believe it's here where there's a lot of visual effects as well. Uh, yes, it's like for, sure, mostly, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there are hallmarks of thrillers that Fincher has sort of kind of navigated around or away from, perhaps. One of them is, like, car chases. I don't really have any car chases in any of his movies. Um, you know, and... Uh, I think that's interesting. I think that we get a foot chase in seven, which is fucking rad and it's beautifully shot and it's awesome. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, yeah. We, uh, we get a lot of um, steady cam as well in the foot chases in this car chase, which you would expect to be like the camera to be like immobile. And, and it's like Cronenworth mm-hmm. like has a very sta- stationary. I think that like yes. also like subverts traditional thrillers. Um, yeah, I think I mean, like Darius Condry shoots shoots seven, seven, yeah, right? yes, like, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of shake like that. That foot chase feels and looks like a foot chase. Which yes, is like yeah, the camera's jostling around. It's very specific, but mm-hmm. it's and I think it's the mugging that that's the only bit of shaky cam. Like there's a little bit in in the movie. But. Yes, there's a little bit. To your, to your point, uh, uh, with, uh locks off his camera a lot, right? So it's not it's it's locked off on tripods or it's locked off on 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 rails. Yeah, there's very little kind of handheld shit with him mm-hmm. um, especially in but yeah this car yeah. chase is is fucking rad um that beautiful aerial shot of them like in a maze of trees and her chasing uh, uh martin in his fucking range rover land rover whatever he's driving um the the bridge stuff the way that like she navigates her way around the 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 his jeep and that's what sort of sets him off um and you can kind of see that she's like strategizing how to get him to crash it's like like well she's just trying to get around him she's just i I don't know that she necessarily is trying to make him crash but but i I don't know why but i felt like in the moment she like was reading and how he was how he was reacting in each moment of her swerving to the left and right when especially when she was in front of him and that he just she just made the right move at the right time for the right jump it's so Maybe it's, it's one of those things awesome. where you get so invested into the character and you feel like you know their, psychologi- or their um, psychology so well that you kind of just like, oh, yeah, I know what she's thinking in the moment. Even though maybe that was on purpose. Maybe Fincher had that exact like totally. thinking or she he didn't and I'm just projecting onto it. But it, it, it has the same effect. It's still just like a credit to like what he's doing. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's – nothing – you, when you're watching a Fincher film, you know that every fucking inch of this thing has been thought of within, right. you know, within an inch of its life, right? Like, you're never believing that that things are happening by accident outside of uh, a water bottle falling off the right. top of a fridge. For the most part, he's mm-hmm. very specific. But he's very purposeful in keeping out. that in. There's a purpose to even the accidents. Yeah. yeah. 
And then you have this exquisite shot of the Jeep flying past camera. I mean, a shot that I can only assume costs probably a million dollars to do. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I imagine it's a mixture of practical and, and CG, but still, like, the, the way that it fucking careens is just exquisite. Mm. Um, and then you have just this amazing fucking moment of her lo- loading the gun, walking towards this burning car, and then seeing them locking eyes, her and Martin, and Martin knowing, like, I'm toast, like, this is over. Car explodes, and that it's, it is such a fast shot of the look on her face as it lights up with fire and flame as it explodes in front of her, and then her just, like, you know, cocking the gun back. Yeah, she puts the like... safety on, and it's like, for some reason, I almost like, oh, she put the safety, I don't know, it was like an exciting <laughs> moment when she put the safety, like, yeah. she put the safety yeah. on, it's like, just awesome. you were just, yeah, yeah. I, it's that, it's in that moment, you got to take a breath, you know, it's just like, that, it's not relief, but it's like, we're, it's over, it's like, putting the gun away is, is like, yeah, yeah for but sure. But she's just also cool I, when she does it, it's that mm-hmm. one of those things. She's also, there's one little moment that I wanted that I forgot to mention that I wanted to mention, um, Midway through the film, she has a scene in the elevator with the fucking guardian where she's just like, stop looking at tattoo removal fucking things. Like, I know what you're fucking up to. And if you remove that shit, I'm putting it right here. And she like points to the top of his fucking forehead. And then she she looks at him. The doors open and the way she fucking turns around, she is just she's like a fucking superhero. Like, she's just the coolest fucking person. The way she embodies every movement, the way she whips around, just like. Yeah, she's just the best. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. To just, you don't think she's invincible I, either. You know, no, it's, right. it's 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 that thing of like she's the fact confident. that she isn't perk. Or the, yeah, she's complicated, and the fact that she's no confident. Um, she's confident that and complicated. Too. That too. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. just yeah, no. It, the fact that she makes mistakes, you know, it just makes her like all the better. Um, or like well, mis- mistakes, the- like non-professional, I suppose. No, absolutely. And you think about the scene, it's it's a it's a harrowing and terrible scene to watch, but after um after the assault, she's in the shower. Right. And you're seeing the blood, you know, going down the drain. You're seeing all the bruises all over her body. You're getting to see the, you know, pretty gorgeous tattoo all over her body as well. But Yeah. Um and you're sort of like Leo in once upon a time, like that's the dragon tattoo. <laughs> you're like, that's it. <laughs> um <laughs> That's the titular <laughs> dragon tattoo. Turn um, it off. Turn off the movie. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got it. I got yeah. it. But but the it's interesting because apparently that the scene when she is raped was so violent, unfortunately, that most of those tattoos were real. Most of those bruises on her body were real. Um, so like there there is something about how not just how dedicated she is to the role, but like that she's just her whole body is in this thing. You know what I mean? And right. she's giving it every ounce of herself. And I think that that mixed with there's the fallibility, the humanness of her. And yet at the same time, these moments we're talking about where, you know, she fucking puts a safety on a gun and you're just like, she's the fucking coolest person. Right. For sure. You're just like, yeah. there's nothing she can't do. Right. It just, it's, it's really that. That's what's yeah. one of the many things that's so special. And, and of course, like with most instances like, like this, they would have a scene like that. Um, the actor who plays Niles was was really uh, he was he felt like really bad about bad. Like, you know yes, yeah sure. nice, or, or like you know like of course but it's like yeah. yeah that can take a lot out of out of an actor and that it's that awful. just yeah you have to like go to a place in your head that sort of like lets you recover and I'm sure 
like Rooney was like game for it because like she's tremendous in this and, everything she is yeah in everything I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah. I think about her her and Carol um I mm-hmm. loved her recently Great, in Nightmare yeah. Alley um yeah. I, I think she's I think she's just a one of our best actors I'm very curious so to range. see what this uh Mm-hmm. So like this, her range. Can, like, I can't wait think for about the, the Sarah Pauly movie Nightmare that she's Alley in. Yeah, yeah, and fucking this, and it's like, holy shit, it's crazy. She's she's unbelievably talented, mm-hmm. um, and I, it, it to to sort of as a bridge into as we wrap up the the plot of it. But like we do get the Harriet thing. They realize that Harriet is right. Anita. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. They do all that sort of stuff, um, and and it's what I love about this movie is that like. This movie is done, quote unquote, right? Like the movie <laughs> yeah. is over in terms of solving the mystery of Harriet. But it's like, ah, uh-uh, we still got <laughs> twenty five more minutes to go. It really can like, end when Martin dies. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. Like yeah, you're like, it's over, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Nope. <laughs> we checked on time. We have yeah. to send we have to send Elizabeth on a globe trotting mission to find Winterstrom's <laughs> money. Awesome. And make sure that yeah. he fucking kills himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole sequence is amazing with the fucking wig and the all of. What it. does she do? with the money yeah. my guess is she, gives, she doesn't need it she gives, I, she's yeah in my eyes she no. gives what's his face the money uh that she owes him obviously. yeah 50k she gives mikhail back the money that he loaned her right. my assumption is that she keeps some of it in order to sort of you know just quality of life thing but my guess is if i remember correctly in the second book she like donates it to like fucking charities and what have you like i don't think she because then it's just like what's she gonna do with a fucking mm-hmm. bazillion dollars it's like right. then she becomes fucking batman or something i'm not <laughs> right. interested in that because I mean, like in my eyes like she that much money <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Elizabeth's thing was like i need a better life i need to change and like grow up in some ways yeah. um that like money is irrelevant. It she doesn't care. And that would, have, um, that would have been the worst movie. She's like, I need to be a serious person now. I need to be adult. I need to get rid of these tattoos. That's a right, worst she, like, fucking movie that you could see. Yeah. She like she donates was, it to a foster home. But yeah, it's like right. yeah. she does use the money to buy that leather jacket, which she then quickly throws in the garbage. Um, At least keep but, the jacket. Yeah. Just keep yeah, keep the jacket. Um, but I, I do, that whole sequence of her doing the various money transfers is fucking rad. She apparently hated doing it because it was the antithesis of Elizabeth. So she hated like wearing the wig and wearing the makeup and all that sort of shit. But obviously, it was a means to an end. Well, that works. Um, if I, she I, hates it because Elizabeth probably hates it as well. Yeah. There's also there's a couple moments in this whole sequence that I love. First of all, the score is just fucking Ugh. just. Just fucking go in and you're just like i want to watch a million movies of this fucking incredible person just kicking ass and taking names. it's so cool they're a two-time but... oscar winner like that's oh man <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool so she then um she, the way she uh wipes the lipstick off the off the mug when she's she, she has a sip of coffee in one of the scenes and there's lipstick and she uh, it's such a fincher thing which is that she flicks it off and like it all just goes perfectly off of the, off of the mug it's just amazing mm-hmm. um but then there's the moment the only moment in the film where she comes close to smiling is the moment at the very end of that sequence when she's on the train she throws the wig out of the window she lights a cigarette and there's if you look at it it's I'm not even kidding. It might be like a frame of like you see her lips slightly like curl. I did not catch this. This was very. Yeah. This was very. It's just fucking. Yeah, awesome. cool. But... Um, yeah, and then you get the then you get her see you know they have their scene and she sees him walking away and bastard you know it's over yeah. bastard yeah. yeah and we got no more movies bastard yeah. yeah 
She poured out. But hopefully her. you're right, Clay. I'm hoping for your Netflix theory. Right. It's a good theory. <laughs> it's just because it's for like Sony. It's just like, why keep the property? Why not just sell it for something? Obviously, you don't know what to do with it. And it's lo- It's pretty much lost all of its iconography and impact in the sense of like, oh, it's another girl that drives. I agree with you. No, I know. I know. I'm, not, no. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced they even have the rights anymore. The last I heard of this, I want to say was maybe 2016, 2017, that Amazon was, that Amazon had bought the rights to turn it into a television show. Now, again, Amazon, this is sort of their fucking modus operandi, which is kind of like buying up tons of genre books right. and sort of trying to do them as series. Um, so I don't know if that's... If but the Spiderweb came out in 2018. Did they buy a separate book? Well, then let me look it up. You might absolutely remember. Hold on a second. Because now mm-hmm. I'm... I'm um... Um, I do want to just go back way... Mm-hmm. Like just, I know it's kind of going back, back, but like just quickly to the... Um, car like car crash and all that mm. i watched ooh, i think maybe two days before watching this or maybe a day before um i watched mm-hmm. the first episode of moon Knight. um <laughs> as did i i like it i don't know why i, they, like, I don't I like, know why that brought like me a laugh so, <laughs> i know well it's because it's a random thing to bring up it's, it's moon Knight. uh yeah yes you know i i like it so far i i dig it i dig the vibe and i dig Isaac in the role, and I'm I like the character in general, so I'm I'm anticipating what they do next. But okay, there is a car chase scene that's bad. It's no good. Uh, and yes, I've seen yes the car crash the is scene? all yeah, yeah the car crash itself is also very bad because it is yeah. so CGI. It's almost disgusting. Um, again, I like that's the show, so weird. Show so Marvel far. is known for everything doing practically. That's so I know, I know, strange. I like the I show so far. I like the first episode overall, but it just goes. But literally, just watching these two like back to back just goes to show me. It's just like, I mean, I know I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying this, but it's just like, fuck, man, really? This is what we're doing but with all I'm, this I'm fucking gonna play, money. I'm, I'm going to defend them for one quick second. Okay, go uh, ahead. And only to say that in a post-COVID world, right. Um, where they were shooting this during COVID, right, I, I imagine that there were a lot of uh, restrictions on what they could and couldn't do. So I, I want to cut them a little bit of slack. That's that what I also said, thought of. Yes, you know, absolutely. You know, it is it, it is what it is. But uh, what I will say is I just looked this up. It actually was in May 26, 2020. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Elizabeth Salander, standalone TV series in the works at Amazon. Uh, and it will be produced in association with Sony Pictures Television. So it does seem yeah, no, like never mind. My theory there is there is something there. <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it, it doesn't sound great. I'm not into it particularly, but I'll also just say this, that like what you're saying is true, which is the only way that this is going to have a life is going to be with a streamer most likely. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited to, to, to think of what the Amazon version of it is, but... Well, it's not even necessarily the streamer in my mind. It's more of the studio that wants to please Fincher. It's more of like they have such a financial incentive that they will go out. Like Mm -hmm. the fucking thing with, what was it? Sony with Tarantino laying out like a red carpet or whatever that had like got like Mm -hmm. fucking like a almost made like a theme park for him to get. So like, oh, like, like, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess that's that's a good example after like um, Tarantino was done with the Weinsteins um, after everything. And it's, yeah, I suppose it's like, and it's, I suppose like, you know, like, on like fervor there was like yeah foam coming out of their mouth like oh my god oh my god oh my god please please yeah. please choose us choose it's us. um it's, like, it's yeah, universal they, has universal has oppenheimer i think because it's it's a similar situation 
that no one oh, that obviously was found. That was Nolan giving Warner Brothers. Right, right. Of course. No, but I, I suppose like it's like another filmmaker like looking for a home. Uh, and yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's, I, I do think that, you know, part of the, the X factor on all of this is I don't know how much money Sony paid for the book rights back in the day. Right. Like, I don't know if there was a world where Sony backed up a Brinks truck to Stieg Larson's estate and was right. like, you know. <laughs> we're determined to turn this into our, into a golden goose of a franchise. And then when it didn't go in the, the way that they thought, you know, they, they still might be in the black, in the red when it comes to this property. And they might just be thinking to themselves, like, how do we make the money back on what we've invested? Yeah. Into this book it's series? almost a pride thing so at this point. It, it, or just, just a dollars and cents thing. Right. right. Which is like, Amazon is like, Hey, what do you think? And you know, so it seems like a messy property, unfortunately. I mean, Steve Larson, unfortunately, died relatively young. There was a whole battle for the rights to these books with his, you know, they were never married. So, like, his his partner never got the uh, rights to his books. And there's just all sorts. It's just very messy, very convoluted. There's lots of different companies involved. And I think that that's part of why, like, I just think it's... And, it's and Fanny, and at, also at the end of the day, it's like, Fincher probably doesn't want to do it anymore. He's probably moved on. Yeah, I mean, this was 2011, guys. Right. Like, we're, mm-hmm. this was this was this was you know, 12, 13, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And I yeah. think that they're. I, my guess is, you know, everyone has moved past this. Right. Um, the the opportunity and the moment for it to happen was for Sony to jump at the opportunity for him to shoot them back to back in Montreal with the original cast, and unfortunately, they just uh, they didn't jump at it. So Absolutely. what we're going to be left with is these weird sort of tangential. A, you know what have you but you know it's 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 gonna be what it's gonna be we'll always yeah. have this um but the guys from it's Reacher, never it, that, i'm incredibly grateful yeah it's it, this if one the guys from the will show, just they can do it i don't care <laughs> like that show is great just do i don't i don't need bosch i don't need the version of bosch that bosch is uh, great elizabeth salander <laughs> i don't, I don't need head. it guys. you guys can so, have it if careful you want, with your words i don't really yeah. want but no reacher no i mean i i'm it's almost a joke of how much i like bosch um but Re- like, reacher <laughs> is like good, like that's good understanding of the genre they're operating in. I know. so i mean it's just you like have to they, you're now aware of like your self-parody so you know oh yeah i'm good. i'm a parody i do think that you know amazon is a very interesting company i'm not convinced that that I'm, <laughs> that that I totally get what they're doing. Oh, I don't either. Because they, they do seem to have really found like the dad TV lane, which is your Jack Ryan's, your Jack Reacher's, all your Jacks, um, your your Bosch's, Jack Bosch, um, <laughs> Jack Bosch. Um, so you, all, yeah, Jack. <laughs> um, all, so it they've certainly really kind of said like we want to be the network that sixty five year old men are watching, and but then they've also put all of this money into deep genre stuff so like they bought ninth house which i adore that book i can't wait for the sequel but like that lord of the rings uh they bought also they bought the gideon the ninth series like they're buying all of these like what's the wheel uh the wheel of time like yeah yeah yeah. like so it's it to me it's like and none of it is really clicking Mm. so it's just interesting that i think in some weird world they're like what's in between bosch and ninth house, Lisbeth Salander. <laughs> like they're just like, is there some in between? And and maybe that's the... there was like and, you know like I'm thinking Bosch too. It was so funny because it's just like <laughs> like you said it was like sixty five year olds and Clay watching that show and it was just yeah. Um, and it's it, so weird. You've had it in the on your TV on mute this entire time and every true. recording you do that. Um, no, but I'm it's a big it's interesting. I don't know what to tell. You. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm thinking about movies now and not so much television, but like Amazon's purchase of Annette might be like their last 
their last catch with like, we're going to invest however much money Leo's Carrix wants. And we'll just like, see what you, what you bring us and we'll bring it to can. We'll do like a whole thing. Um, I don't know. Like, do they have anything coming up like that? That will just be like, you know, I, their, their investments in like Spike Lee and yeah, Jim Jarmusch and like, you know, investing but, in actual directors like Kenneth Lonergan or whatever. Like, have they just yeah, been yes. like, we're done. Yeah. yeah. Like, like bringing up Lonergan after Margaret was like such a big deal in 2016. And just, like, right. yeah. I will say this though. Um, Cause Annette's an interesting question. Like, I, I do think that in a different world, neon picks up Annette. Absolutely. And Annette becomes a much bigger thing. Right. But I also think that, like, it kind of did what they wanted it to do, right? I mean, again, we're all in our own little weird echo chambers on Twitter. So, like, I can only derive, you know, to do so much from that. My mom liked but, Annette. She loved Annette. But Annette <laughs> I showed it to my everyone mom. Everyone I like, know, uh, when Annette dropped, yeah, she, she, we, I mean, like, we all had baby talking. Annette fever, right? I, 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 I was say, so, like, yeah. it might have done what, what they wanted it to do. Like, I don't right. know what its streaming numbers are. We'll never fucking know. Um, but it might have done what they wanted to do, which is put them in a lane that people didn't think of them in, right? And then when you think about the filmmaker sort of auteur thing, I mean, Netflix is kind of learning the hard way that, like, if you don't do the right Oscar campaign, it doesn't matter who... The movie is right. right. Like yeah. they have something like over the last three years, they had something like fifty-seven nominations and like yeah. six wins. Yeah, it's like the it's just staggering numbers. So it's and it's not to say that the movies that they're backing are bad movies. They're certainly not. No, right. No, Fincher's a perfect movies. example. But like you also have to think, like you're gonna let Fincher do whatever Fincher wants to do, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I'm a diehard Fincher fan. <laughs> I I don't know that I will ever watch Mank again. I watched it once. It was fine. Like, mm -hmm. it didn't really do what I wanted it to do. Um, but I think that, like, you know, backing Jane Campion on Power of the Dog was the right thing to do. Ultimately, the Oscar campaign itself was flawed, which is that they burn so much energy up top and they just don't have the fucking legs. Absolutely. At the, at the end of the day, right? So Coda just kind of exists for six, eight months. And then when Oscar voters are looking for something that makes them feel good, the preferential voting goes in coda's direction so like it's not necessarily rocket science but i do think that they're not doing a great job amazon as well like being the ricardos <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't i don't have the words i mean they that. got they got nominations for it so they did something i guess i don't well, know well here's the thing the movie didn't it was bardem and kidman that got them so it's like That's they don't true. like the movie they like performances and and holy fucking shit yes <laughs> um <laughs> What Jack an awful performance. I mean, Jack cusses, but he doesn't like necessarily cuss like that all the time. And so you know when he does, it's like he's like fucking disgusted. I hated the movie. Um no, but listen, uh a good, a good movie. Uh yeah, no, I I, watch it. I agree that they need a crowd pleaser, they need a coda, they need something that'll that'll work the way that Coda did on preferential ballots. And uh, also, we thought they had it on Chicago seven. You know, I think that was potentially that that's the closest thing. Be. That was their, no, I know. I yeah. Know, but I that's, just don't want to think yeah, about yeah. that movie. It's a, but that's I, another just, bad Here's movie. what I will say though. Like, I actually think that the movie that I was a little surprised didn't do it for them more was marriage story, which I actually think right. is a really good movie that actually thinks could have connected more. I think but, they just pushed Irishman too much. But, mm. 
Well, again, the, part right. of the problem is that, that they, they make too many movies, right? Like, you really need to kind of boil it down to, like, who are your two big fucking things, right? And what happens is, like, even in fucking 2020, when we're all trapped in our houses and we can't even go to the theaters, you can't get the Five Bloods one fucking nomination? <laughs> like, it's just it's right. embarrassing that it's just, like, and that movie fucking rules. Like, I'm, I'm just, like, it's just very strange to me what they what horses they decide to put all their chips on and it just doesn't always work out in the way that i think that it should and i'm sure that they feel the same way all this being said though and i do think it's something that kind of hit me this year maybe more than ever which is that like this preferential voting system is generally speaking going to lead to a lot of best picture winners that are the least offensive to some degree right like if it's all going to kind of work out towards like what's the common denominator film that's not going to work out so well, right? Now, yeah. for Parasite, it did. And we should all be thrilled that Parasite... I think it's just because it's such an unstoppable you know, movie. Like, you just can't. Nice. It's inarguable. Right. But but I do think that, like, this year, obviously what you have is you have Coda winning, and who knows what it'll be next year, although Variety yesterday posted a thing about how they think the Fablemans <laughs> is just going to sweep everything, and I was just like, okay, sure, maybe, I don't know. Okay, let, but, I, but I just yeah, think... Yeah, yeah like, go ahead. The last time a Spielberg movie has one picture was like 93 and it's like you know granted spielberg is making his roma his belfast if you will you know it's just like but still it's just like and the funny thing is like apple better than both of those yes i agree but listen i think apple um let's say power of the dog did pull it through they would be back next year with you know flower moon and let's see how killer flower moon does but um i can't wait for this year i actually think that this year and by this year i mean 2022 is shaping up to be the first real year since 2019 and i don't mean to say that 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 2020 didn't have real great films it did but obviously that was weird and then this year we were closer to something feeling you know like it was pre-pandemic but still was a little bit off and i think that in theory there was a lot of carryover last year yeah should be the year where like we finally are back to quote-unquote normal i mean the thing about fableman's it's got a big studio behind it i think it's warner it's a universal if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. or maybe it's it's one of those two um you know it sounds like it's very oscar friendly and what it's about it's cast all that sort of stuff who knows yeah. but but all this is to say maybe you know, it could get like a stealth like michelle williams win finally or something like that sure. yeah yeah who i mean honestly who knows uh who knows what white noise is going to look like i mean mm, that could be a huge yeah. fucking netflix is like the don Del- well i mean like yeah no, that's a good point like if marriage story do- didn't hit like is the don DeLeo adaptation going to be too abrasive uh for for oh, voters yeah, i mean yeah anyone who's <laughs> yeah. read the book knows that that is not a, a joyful experience <laughs> there's nothing fun about that that book but yeah. you know it's adam driver it's greta gerwig it's mm-hmm. directed by and written by noah Baumbach. Yeah. like it's got all the hallmarks of it winning or at the very least nominations for a bunch of things so like it's it's just it's and and the big question mark for me uh mm-hmm. how is blonde gonna play like that i think that i mean blonde is, is that Blonde's not going to be a thing. I know. Yeah, it's more just like just like thinking of the, like the big titles that Netflix has. That they'll throw something to Armus, probably. Yeah. But they'll just like there you go. That's it. If if is it like the Kristen Stewart and Spencer type deal? Uh, I wonder. Maybe yeah. it sounds like it's a very hard watch, right? Like yeah. this is a hard R NC seventeen situation with lots of terrible things happening. To I'm just not sure that it's that it's going to be anyone's cup of tea. Right. Um, but who, who knows? They've also, they're really kind of hiding it. It's been a bit, yeah. like, I'm not really sure. I even Fascinated like, to see. Going on with it. Yeah. 
it's it's going to be an interesting year. Like yeah. you know, we're 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 going to have a lot of big movies coming out. Um, Is the know, killer Warren coming Heather's out next year? To... Sorry, I mean, if it just wrapped, I'm, I am curious. Like, if the killer the is killer this year or next Ventures year, new it'll be this year. Yeah, killer this, this year? year. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, like it, it wrapped. Yeah. It wrapped last month, so yeah. I'd be shocked if it's not this year. Oh, it's not going to be. This I mean, year. it will be this year. Oh, I I don't see a world where they would. If a film wrapped in mid mid to late March, there's no reason why you can't get that out by the end of the year. But I also don't think that it's going to be like an awards movie this is a bit of it's going to be a clay movie. That's, what, that's what it's going to be it's yeah. going to be a clay movie it's going to win the clay <laughs> yeah my god it's going to win all the clay awards it's yeah. true i mean someone has I mean, to i i think that there's i think there's a bunch of movies this year that that people are obviously excited about and um yeah i mean i we got a we got a new scorsese we got a new spielberg we got potentially a new fincher we a new wes like, anderson let's see how asteroid city it could, it could go over better than dispatch you know but I still can't believe that that film didn't get one I, nomination. Jeffrey that, Wright that, should probably that movie shouldn't shouldn't play at a festival. Yeah, it's just if Jeffrey Wright should probably hunt down every single Academy member and be like, "You explain to me how J.K. Simmons got nominated over me. I have a gun on the table, and you're going to give me a reason." Well, I, to I be mean, fair, I, that's I, such I, a big yeah. cast. Like, how do you like? campaign it's like right. what is supporting what is it's right the, he's, I suppose. he's the best in that i movie. just think that that i think with that cast people were expecting i mean first of all the movie got delayed two years so like it just had all of this like expectations attached to it and then it came out and it it's deceptively simple and seems very slight and it doesn't pack the punch that his stuff usually does and then you watch it again and you're like, oh, wait a second. This movie is just like fucking layered and it's amazing. Anthology is also kind of like, hard to sell on voters, I feel like. Like, I really thought post Grand Budapest that, you know, that he had broken through and that the Academy was. Because that was the first like, time oh, breaking Wes through. Anderson yeah. the guy. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But like, but... listen, his next movie has Margot Robbie and Tom Hanks in it. Maybe it's going to be yeah. fucking great. I, you know. And, and then after that, Babylon. like, he's doing the, oh, right, that, yeah, that was just screened yeah but gotcha. anyway yeah it's gonna be good stuff yeah this year but. we love the movies uh, i don't know about one we love the movies we love movies we love we love uh, the movies. i mean I, I could talk for hours about about this movie um, yeah and i think and yeah you guys yeah. about movies in general same with I us i feel like you probably have lives to live um, maybe I'm <laughs> honestly no we we just like hang out i mean if we could i would hang out here and talk about david fincher if i didn't have if i didn't have the need to eat food i would be here. <laughs> i was just gonna say you are where are you located right now i live in portland oregon okay well, yeah you're in my time zone it's only six o'clock <laughs> i'm so hungry <laughs> okay I'm i just want to jack he's yeah. got to go to bed and so it's going to be past his bedtime soon thank you thank you thank you but i would just like to point out hmm. daniel craig in 2011 i think it's just yeah. really interesting we have four movies. Would we like to yep. name the other three? We'll wrap up right after this. I just, I thought this would be fun. It's not a Bond. <laughs> is is Bond is next year. Is, Skyfall's 2012. And Cowboys and Aliens isn't this year, is it? It is. That's one. Yeah. Okay, so that's the summer of this year, right? Mm -hmm. That comes out in July. I saw this with my grandfather. He has two yeah. other movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, is one of them that like murder house thing? Is it like a horror movie or something like that? It is, that? yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What's it called? Dream House. It's Jim Sheridan. <laughs> Dream House. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That movie doesn't like exist. Murder House, Dream House. I couldn't tell you what the fourth one is, though. That's all I got in my day. It's the movie poster. that Fincher called uh, Daniel Craig when he was 
in production of it's Tintin. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seen, I've never seen Tintin. Who's in, who's he in Tintin? I haven't either. It's a it's a yeah, it's a I haven't I've seen it. He's just one of the he's like a supporting mocap character. I do love that Fincher goes to the set quote unquote of Tintin. <laughs> just gonna say it's like mostly green screen yeah, yeah. in a fucking blue <laughs> mocap suit about being Mikhail Blomquist is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's four strange movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Craig, man. Well, this is our first time doing I, anything Daniel Craig related, so I think it was worth like pointing out, like, great no, actors. Of course, of course. You know, it's just like... I'll, I'll say this, though. Yeah, two Bonds this to decade. To end on the Daniel but... Craig thing, which mm-hmm. I think is, is worth doing, yes. I do think that he's one of those guys who has range, who can do weird stuff, is excited to do weird stuff, is hoping that bond opened some doors for him in being able to do more character stuff and i could see Dan- i mean daniel craig currently was supposed to be in Macbeth, and then he got COVID, and now he's not in Macbeth on broadway right now but mm-hmm. um but you get the impression that this guy wants to flex his acting muscles and do weird things and it's one of the reasons why he didn't even want to do the last bond film and instead made them <laughs> kill bond for reasons that are beyond me um <laughs> but but all that being said He's he is a fascinating actor. He's a guy who literally last night I just happened to catch like the last ten minutes of Road to Perdition the other last night. And I was just like, oh right, Daniel Craig's the fucking murderer. In he's Road a sleazeball. He's like yeah. a weakling, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like he's got these weird like he's got that stuff in him, and I hope that he does more stuff like that. And you do see that in this film, like he does weird stuff in this movie that I love, and and he's funny in this movie in a weird way. You know what I mean? I think about him in that scene when she's sewing him up. I think about just their general kind of weird sexual bantery stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's all just, it's all just good. Yeah. So I'm just like, do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, very, very I well I love said. how he doesn't um, have a Swedish accent. I'm, I love it. Yeah. I, I think he does for five seconds. <laughs> I really, I was so confident. It's, that... If you, I promise you, I've watched this movie more times than you have, Clay, obviously. obviously. But I'll just say, <laughs> Watch that very first. He's doing a little bit of something right. with his very first line. And then by the end of that scene, he's dropped it mm-hmm. entirely. He's just like, I'll give it to you in the beginning, and then I'm done. It's yeah. so funny. It's his bizarre. name's Mikhail Bloomfest. And it, or I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And he's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. the most British fucking, yeah. like... I, doesn't care. I was it, so... There, there were people that, that yeah. shit on... There were people... I don't want to say shit on her, but there were people that were critical of rooney's accent that said it sounded more russian or dutch mm, and I, re- I read Craig that too. admitted in an interview that he thought it was all stupid and that's why he just used his own yeah voice. yeah but no yeah and um and it's also it's like uh to it's also with chris Plummer too that i noticed that it's almost like someone who is swedish now speaks in a british accent or someone who's british now speak speaks in a swedish accent or it's like they're from one place, but now live in another, and they adopted, like, how everyone around them. I mean, who cares? So, yeah. I, I, ultimately, right, right. the big thing here is this movie takes place in Sweden, and in theory, they should all just be speaking Swedish, and we should just be reading fucking subtitles. Like, an American director, the, yeah, I American screenwriter. I was also yeah. shocked. I thought it was going to be, like, a funny game situation where it's, like, yes, it's a remake, but it's a complete, like, English version that takes place in America. I was... I, that would have sucked. I but I just assumed that I thought I just I thought it was gonna but like it turns out it's like the snowman where you just have like fucking uh, <laughs> Michael Fassbender. It is just... for the record for listeners. It yeah. is not like the fucking no snowman. no 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 no. <laughs> yeah. 
in the sense rewind, rewind, like Michael Fassbender not being Norwegian at all, but being like the more Nor- Norwegian place ever created. So it's like <laughs> it. I yes, was I, sure, sure. It was just I was. I, I know what you're saying. I didn't hate it or anything. I wasn't like oh bad, but I was just surprised because I just such I just assumed it's like a complete English <laughs> language remake, and it's just like I mean it yeah, is, no, but it's, it's like they're still yeah. Swedish. Yeah. No, for sure. And and I and I know what you're getting at. That the snowman illusion, by the way, is unquestionably what some executive was thinking, right? Which is like, yeah. it's Swedish, it's a murder mystery. Go do the girl with the dragon tattoo and we'll make a bunch of these movies with a detective named <laughs> Harry Hole. And yet well, they uh didn't really think think that through. So <laughs> uh, oh, Jack, have man. you seen the snowman? I I would like to, uh just you based on to. that. You should watch <laughs> just... the snowman. You should watch it. It's, I, we gave you all the clues, Jack. You yeah. should just go watch the snowman. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Police, I, I think that says on your napkin that you're holding up there. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and like I love Thomas Alfredson and you know what he did with or yeah. let the way run in. But yeah. anyway, no. But yeah, all right. Phil Vesco, thanks for being here. Or wait, we should get oh to favorite please. scene. I will. Wait, we did do favorite what? scene. Oh, right. wait, we end the show with. Favorite we scene. end the show with favorite scene. Yeah. Oh God, damn. Okay. okay. Uh, I, do you want me to say? Yes, my please, scene? please. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Um, my favorite scene in the movie, uh, God, I didn't even really prepare for this, so forgive me, but I'm going to say, oh boy, you guys go first. How about you go first and I'll catch up? Is yeah, okay? I'll just, I'll yeah, go Could you have one? Yeah. It's definitely the cross-cutting between, um, Mikkel in Martin's house and Rooney Mara doing the archive shit. Uh, it's the most tense scene in the film. I'm like on the edge of my fucking seat and I'm like, can't breathe worth a damn. Um, it's credible editing. I mean, it's cross cutting magic, baby. Uh, Clay loves some cross cutting and uh, boy, there's some cross cutting in that scene. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all thumbs up, throwing Oscars at the screen, hooting and hollering. It's just, it's just the good hooting shit. Hooting and hollering. Mm-hmm. I'll make a drink. Nothing we need to report. No. Dirk says the girl is really clever. Maybe she'll turn something up. Maybe. Thank you. So what did he say? What? 
You said Henry asked you to ask me something. Well, I just did. What? How's the investigation? Oh, yeah. That was his question. Do you hunt? We should go hunting together sometime. Sure. Nothing at all. New to report. No, nothing. I can see you're anxious. No. Well, I mean to get home after the walk. <laughs> yeah, well, suppose I have. Just have dinner with your girlfriend. Assistant. We'll have better luck with a gun. I'm sorry? When we go hunting. The gun. Rather than a knife. I want to show you something. Bring your drink. Leave my knife. Uh, what about you, Jack? I think I'll go with the mugging um, at the uh, and she's like chasing down the elevator uh, or the elevator escalator. I meant and, and people um, are scared of her. That's the beauty yeah. of that scene. People are like, "What the fuck is this woman doing?" Okay, this is really tough. This is actually like really hard for me to do. Um, so, I mean, first of all, love the credit sequence. That doesn't count, but I'm just going to have to <laughs> shout it out again and just say, listen to my episode on credit score um, because it's amazing. Um, the I'm actually going to say the scene that I highlighted earlier um, of them working together on the computer. It's when he does that futzing with the computer and she looks like she wants to punch him in the face and they then you know, 
it's the moment when you start to see these two minds really kind of coming together. Uh, I would say that, or um, just because, you know, uh, I, I, I think I might say the car chase as well. Like, there's just, I really, I want to pick a scene when Lisbeth is just like at her most fucking badass. And it does feel like that's her at her most just kick ass. So I'm, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, that, those are my, those are my picks. I know that's not really, yeah, great. no, but it's perfect. No, for sure. I think that's the perfect way to end on. Cause it's like, yeah, there, there are I so many to choose for. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Yeah. You guys, it was, it yeah, has been a pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, talking yeah. for Feeling over spiritual. three hours about this movie. <laughs> I could talk about it for, for even longer. I promise you. Um, but, uh, I hope you'll have me back again to talk yes. about something else from, uh, from the 2010s. Of course. Thank you. Uh, this has been really cool to have you here. Uh, to talk about something that's not from the late nineties and now uh, 20 years later uh, in discussing pop culture. Uh, this is one of our longest episodes. Maybe next time we'll beat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just yeah, say this yeah. too, uh, just to, as a, as a quick, uh, a quick end, just to plug, um, check out our podcast. Yeah, I was just going to ask you for to plug things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 it's, it's an absolute blast to do it. We love it. We're in the last year of covering 99 um so something will be on the other side of this what we're not entirely sure of yet but um it's been uh you know 250 some odd episodes talking about the films of and television of 1999 um check out our patreon like it's, where you can listen to us hear, hear us talk about 1989 as well as currently talking about 2009 we just did an episode with tom meissen on watchmen um, we have an episode, I don't know when this is dropping, but we have episodes on The Hangover coming out. Um, we have an episode on Jennifer's Body and Star Trek. And, this is in uh, a few weeks from now. A lot of fun. Yeah, but, or okay. a few so, weekends from yep. now, I should say. But, okay, um, so we have yeah. episodes on uh, uh, an episode on The Hangover. We have an episode on Up in the Air. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been it's been a real blast. And uh, and I just can't thank you guys enough for, for having me on. Oh, anytime. Yeah. Who awesome. did you get for Jennifer's yeah, yeah. Body? I feel like there's a lot of interesting guests you can get for that. Uh, we had uh, Jen- uh, we had Ashley Lyle, who's one of the creators and a good friend of uh, of Yellow Jackets. That's on Showtime right oh. now, and oh. um, <laughs> and uh, we had uh, Jordan Cruciola on with her as well. We have also had Jordan. Yeah, 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 ye
There was no I, question I, it had I mean, to be her. So. Yeah, I mean, like we can't we can't leave us we can't leave you without mentioning how great your Fight Club episode with Karin Kusama was. I mean, seriously, like, Karin Kusama, yeah, like that's we, awesome. We, it was she was fucking rad. Um, she was just so cool. Uh, also, she directed the pilot of Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Um, for those who aren't watching Yellow Jackets, you should be. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we were so lucky to have her talk about Fight sure. Club and and, yeah. and really break it down with us. So We've uh, covered the invitation on the pod, so like that's you know. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you want a, a starter episode for for our podcast, I would I would recommend the Fight Club episode. It's a good place to yeah. start. Great. Uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Jack H. Reaper. My writing on film is at the Simple Cinephile and Boston Hassle. This movie is now available to stream on Netflix, uh, which this the killer and Mank are also or the killer will be and Mank is as well. If you want to do like a and uh, and Mindhunter. And Mindhunter, yes. And House of Cards, but... Uh, well, uh, I mean, House yeah, of Cards yeah, has yeah, some yeah. 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 But the first episode <laughs> yeah. was fine. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Next week, we are visiting an old friend named Thomas Cruz uh, and <laughs> discussing Doug Lyman's Edge of Tomorrow with Mitchell Beaupre. Yeah. Yeah. Love that movie. Great movie. Great, gonna, great that's movie. another clay. Like, if there's clay core, that's definitely clay core. Like, just like absolutely. I feel like structurally, though, for that episode, you guys need to like do it and then start from the beginning absolutely. again, and then do it and then start from the beginning. Again. I'm sure there's going to be many <laughs> jokes made. We've done the Happy Death Day movies, and I think like those jokes were made like. Then, sure, uh, sure. I'm also going to die like, repeatedly. Yeah. That's also a thing because I mean <laughs> it worked. Like in Looper, I my future self kill or my old my old self killed my future. Oh, we've self, done that yeah, happened, Looper's so another, it just has yeah. to happen like that. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. That makes I'm sure sense. there's going to be yeah, much talk that. about the title as well. Oh, oh what do you mean? It's fantastic. I mean, title. Live, die, repeat. Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Edge of Tomorrow is not a bad title. It's just a little too heady. People right. are just like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> live tomorrow, but the I edge like of. It, but... Yeah. Uh, all yeah. you need is kill. Yeah. Is always the best. I don't know. Um, yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. Everyone, follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterbox. Follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. Follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. Greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, please stay safe. Be good to yourself. Good vibes. It always helps. Um, yeah, thank you. And we'll see you next time on exiting through the 2010s.